Hey, buddies, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, a Sacramento, California-based filmmaking and, uh, I guess, audio podcast company. I don't know. I think I might be adding that in there. Um, Still doing editing, very slowly, of course, but, you know, I'm not sitting there going real fast, put myself on a schedule or nothing. But yeah, still doing post on Lady Hyde. I've uh, been putting some music in, looking good, liking how it's looking. Just doing a little bit each day, not not a lot, you know, about an hour or so of work each day. But uh, yeah, that's what counts. And also, uh, as I'm recording this, uh, tomorrow I'm going to be doing my first interview for a new podcast that I will be doing. And I'm pretty sure that it's going to be called The Rudy Report, named after yours truly, Jason Rudy. And it's going to be a different kind of podcast. Uh, it's going to have nothing to do with Jess Franco, because all the Jess Franco stuff is going to be on this podcast. But that podcast is going to deal with uh, a different side and a different look and a different take on pro wrestling. Uh, where I'll be doing interviews with people in the business, people that write about the business, people that used to be in the business or are currently in the business or connected to it in some way. So uh, being a former wrestler myself and being in uh, being a fan also of the business since about 1983 or so, I say, 82, 83, um, got a lot of people that I know throughout my life, and that's a huge part of it, so... I decided to, uh, you know, take that excess bounty of beautiful friends that I have and uh, do something about that because it does interest me and it's a huge part of my life. So, so yeah, the Rudy Report will have interviews and the wrestling aspect, but it'll be, like, I'm calling it a audio magazine. So it'll have uh, every, um, every show. It's not going to be weekly. It'll just be different times maybe once a month uh it'll be like a magazine you'll have a article on wrestling you'll have an article on uh movies from 1981 you'll have uh different music you'll have uh different uh other little segments on different things that i find interesting tv video movies uh news different historical things so yeah it'll be like a little magazine that comes into the uh, audio mailbox around once a month or so. So be on the lookout for that. That'll be launching very, very soon, probably in the next month or less. So, yeah, you heard it here first. So, yeah, if you're a Franco Observer podcast listener, you get the news first, more than any uh, website does. So, but now we are here today to talk about episode 89, film 89, Opala, Opalo de Fuego, the fire opal, also called uh, Sex Traders um, in the Spanish theatrical title, Mercedes del Sexo. Uh, it's a Spain and France production, 1978. And it has, okay, this is an interesting film because there's two versions there's a uh, fire opal and the more widely seen, thanks to the Severn Blu ray. Uh, two female spies with flowered panties. Uh, that's the French theatrical translation of that. Is uh, du espionage avec une petite slip et fleur. 
And then we also have the export title to female spies with flower panties, of course. And then, um, okay, we got that. And then we got Espionage et Soleil, French video, Spies in the Sun. And then Spies in the Sun, French video cover alternate title. And then Spanish in production was listed as Fire Opal Lust. Uh, Opela de Fuego La Savia. And uh, La Savia, original script title. So, all right, so Lust is the original script title. It's just, I like the one word just that's just written under Lust and then Fire Opal Lust. Uh, production companies on this, of course, it's a new one for him uh, Triton, or Triton, T R I T O S O A N, PC out of Madrid. And then, of course, uh, Estudio, 8 out of uh, Lisbon. And I've recently uh, heard an interview um, with Stephen Thrower. Speaking of Stephen Thrower, we get all information from this out of Flowers of Perversion, The Delirious Cinema of Jesus Franco, Volume 2, because this is the later films of Franco. But yeah, I think um, Estudio-8 out of Lisbon is maybe a uh, another variation on Manicoa Films, which was Franco's other little production company. Which is kind of like my production company. It's just a, something small that you use that uh, you work under, but it's not really like a physical building or an address or anything like that. So it, it might be one of those deals. Um, okay, so then we have uh, production companies, the same three ton PC, and then uh, oh yeah, okay, that's for both films. Gotcha. All right, because yeah, this has double duty on our every listing on this. We have cast and crew of the two different projects, um, theatrical distributors. CIDC, that's the Cooperative Industrial Distributionotes, Distributionotes out of Spain. Then we have uh, Altamira Films out of Spain. Then, of course, the mighty Eurocene out of Paris. Working again with Eurocene here after this, uh, as we get to here in a second, what has him working back with Eurocene again? Uh, Timeline. Okay, so the first project, Apollo de Fuego. That was shot circa autumn 1978. And then after that was done, uh, when he was shooting like Sinfonia Erotica, they asked him to take that film and uh, rearrange it and shoot a bunch of new scenes. So he ended up taking a half hour out of Opala do Fuego and shooting about a half hour of footage. And that came out to be of new footage. And that came out to be two female spies with flower panties. So you have uh, half-hour footage that's in that new film, but not is in Opala de Fuego. So uh, it's almost two separate films that way. It's interesting. Interesting concept. Um, okay, so the further shooting, of course, for the two female spies, that was autumn 1979, approximately a year later. Um, and then after all that, it came out finally in Madrid, May 16th of 1980. And then, uh, about six months or so, seven months. And then, uh, French, uh, visa issued was June 6th of 1980 and then played Marie, Marisha and June 24th, in 1981 and Seville, August 25th, 1980. And finally France, October 15th, 1980. Oh wait, two more places. Uh, Barcelona. November 23rd, 1981, and Paris, July 21st, 1982. Um, 
Theatrical running time, Spain, 96 minutes. France, 105 minutes. Uh, DVD, Blu-ray running time. Um, the DVD of Apollo de Fuego is 90 minutes. And the Blu-ray of uh, Two Female Spies is 94 minutes. So yeah, they have their list as the Severn uh, release of it. All right. I'm not going to do the names twice uh, that are listed twice, but I'll just go through and kind of nail it quick. So the cast in the first film, of course, or I'm sorry, the crew, we have, of course, Jess Franco as director and story and screenplay by Jess Franco, even though he's billed as like Dan Simon, I think, in the uh, other one. Let's see. Yeah, Dan Simon, he's on the second film as listed, but anyway, I'm jumping ahead. So yeah, director Franco, screenplay and story Franco, uh, producer Joaquin Dominguez, uh, Triton PC production for Altamira Films, executive producer Fernando Vidal Campos, editor Jess Franco, music Jess Franco. Interesting. So it's not uh, Daniel White. Okay, so Daniel White does. Interesting. Okay. So Franco does the music in Opel de Fuego. That's interesting to know. Uh, camera operators Ramon Zaldia, Lionel Efe. And let's see, assistants, continuity, second assistant. Okay, we're good on all that. All right, so cast on Apollo de Fuego. Of course, you have Lena Romay as Candy Coster. Build as that. This is her Candy Coster years. And the character she plays is Cecile Le Pen. Then we have Nadine Pascal joining the crew as Brigitte Lemon. Uh, not Brigitte Leahy, but Brigitte Lemon, which is funny after the last film, so. Uh, we have Olivier Mathet returning as Senator Conley. Uh, Mel Rodrigo returning uh, after the last three films. And he is Milton, a choreographer. And uh, Joelle Quimont as Janet Lee. She plays Irina Forbes. Abino Gra- Graziani as Carlos Morales. Francisco Romero. And uh, Teodra Segura as Doris Regima. She plays Estrella Selwyn, the abducted girl in the gold bathing cap. And Oscar Fernandez. I don't know, just these names just thrown in with no credits. Uh, Anna Maria Segura as Maria Teresa Perez. She plays the brunette torturer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the other the other gal, I was looking at her with the curly hair and, like, the black vest. And I don't know if it's uh, Ajita Wilson, who's in Sadomania coming up. Or if it's the gal um, that's in Cocktail Special and in They Do Everything and uh, I Burn Everywhere, which could be, and that's, um, um, what's her name? Let's see, okay, Cocktail Special, she plays Eugenie. Uh, Benny Sousa, uh, T-O-U-X-A. But yeah, she's not listed here, but I'm thinking that might be her. So I'm going to say it's her, so... Uh, then we have Duo Cabaquinois, that's the ukulele duo, it's, that's part of the uh, the hippie guitar player guys at the camp. Uh, then we have Pedro Gonzalez Jr., Juan Garcia, okay, those guys. And then uncredited, Claude Boisson, uh, who's Ralph Forbes, that's Irina's husband, the ball-headed guy, that's the kidnapper and rapist and all-around sleazeball. All right, so we now the crew on the second film, Two Female Spies, of course, Franco, but he's billed as Dan Simon. Story is Evelyn Scott as Evelyn DeHare. Actually, Jess Franco gives himself a female uh, pseudonym. 
then of course music by Daniel J. White, which is really good actually. The music saves uh, the second version. I think is the music's a strong thing, so it's good to hear Daniel White's uh, track on this. Uh, production manager Marius Lesseur. That's for of course Euroscene, who's the one that wanted this version made. Uh, photography Gerard Brassad, actually just Franco. Uh, cameraman Elaine Hardy, actually Jess Franco. Uh, assistant director Jean-Pierre Decroix, actually him. Uh, script supervisor Ilona Konosova, okay. Assistant editor Dominique Petit. Uh, uncredited executive producer Marius Lassure. Uh, Lassure, I thought he. Uh, let's see. Thought he uh, who's the guy that um the last film um let me, see, let me get a second here look back at something real fast because I was thinking Marius Lesseur was uh, the last producer that he just worked for oh no that's Robert E. Nassel I said so sorry yeah Robert E. Nassel okay anyways okay so cast on the uh, two female fl- two female spies. Uh, so we have Claude Besson actually is credited, and he's Yule Sanders, uh, of course, Robert Forbes. I like that name, Yule Sanders, why you yell. I'm sure it's a takeoff of Yule Brenner because he's bald, so yeah, Yule Sanders. Uh, Muriel Montross as the woman who abducts Adriana. Uh, Jean Raville plays Butler, a senior politician. Um, and Olivia Mathot, of course, and her Conley. Okay, uncredited Susan Hemingway which is crazy that they have her film and she's uncredited. But yeah, she plays Adriana Rinaldi. Uh, Didier Abois plays the man raping abducted girl. Uh, export version adds Nadine Pascal. Alina uh, Romay, of course. Uh, uncredited. Uh, Mel Rodrigo and everybody. Okay. All right. So, production notes. Uh, soon after the completion of Cocktail Special, Elise Fontaut and Jean Brulé de Prato, Uh, Franco decided to move back to his homeland. Spain was changing, censorship was being relaxed, and the social climate was becoming more agreeable for a man like him. He had, in fact, been considering a return to Spain ever since the death of the authoritarian dictator General Francisco Franco on November 20th, 1975. Um... See, in an interview in 2006, he told the interviewer, after this change of the regime, when the transition began, Lena and I came to Madrid to see how things were. Uh, We went to a hotel, and the next morning I said, you stay calm. I'm going to the ministry to see how it is. I went. I saw how it was. I went back to the hotel and said, let's go before we're, let's go because we've come too soon. In the ministry, I met all the same fascists as before. Other things were changing, too. An important personal influence on Franco's decision to leave France and move back to Spain was the death of his friend and producer, Robert D. Nassel. Or Robert D. Nell. I think I learned a new... Uh, yeah, Robert D. Nell. Because the S is silent. Um, who passed away on April 21st, 1978, at the age of 72. D. Nell's death marked the end of Comptoir Francois de Film Production as an effective production house, leaving Franco with only one French company with whom to do business, Eurocene. Also of significance was the breakdown of Franco's marriage to Nicole Gutiard and Romé's recent divorce from Ramon Ardid. 
After eight years of gradually increasing intimacy, Franco and Romay, director and muse, were now ready to commit to each other for the rest of their lives. Far from settling into domesticity, however, Franco would make another 84 films before his death, with Romay appearing in more than 60 of them. So yeah, that shows you that's good. Uh, the move back to Spain reinvigorated Franco, pulling him out of the uncharacteristic depression which had assailed him in the months after leaving Erwin Dietrich's safe production harbor. The films he made straight after the move, while not among his best, were certainly a lot better than the lackluster porno trilogy he had recently made for Dinesel. For Dinesel. First off the blocks were a crime thriller with comic and erotic undertones, Opoala de Fuego, Mercades del Sexo, followed by La Chicas de Copacabana, a coming-of-age comedy, uh, Sinfonia Erotica, a period chamber piece based on a single character from Desaad's Justine, and The Sadist of Notre Dame, a radical restructuring with new material of his 1974 exor- 74 film Exorcism. In each case, money came from Triton, a Madrid-based company run by Joaquin Dominguez Riesco, with additional financing from Eurocene for all except Sinfonia Erotica. Triton was a small company which had started up in the 1960s. Its first production was a documentary called Arquincatura Hacha el Futuro. 1967, followed by Tombs of the Blind Dead creator Armando D'Ostrio, or I'm sorry, by Tombs of the Blind Dead creator Armando D'Ostrio, followed by the same directors, Pasto de Ferias, 1969, a now hard-to-see drama made immediately prior to his first horror film, Malenka, 1969, which I've seen that. That's a vampire film. Uh, Triton remained solvent for a while during the late 1970s and early 1980s. Among their other notable releases was Posidia, uh, a 1978 Italian-Spanish co-production starring Marissa Mel and Lucas Sell. Um, a few years later, Triton would finance two more Franco films, uh, El Sexo Esta Loco, 1980, and El Lago de las Virginias, Lake of Virgins, 1981. Uh, Paulo de Fuego was co-produced by a small Portuguese company called Estudio 8. According to Franco scholar Francesco Cesari, this was a Portuguese offshoot of Franco's own Manico films. Yeah, good, that's what I had said. Although this does indeed seem very likely, the company pre-existed Franco's involvement. Apart from Franco's Apollo de Fuego and Sinfonia Erotica, Estudio 8 produced a 1968 musical called... El Padre Capelas, the production managers on this obscurity were Joaquin Dominguez Rigoso and Victor Costa and old pal Franco's. Um, perhaps Franco pumped in some of his own money to pick up his friend's ailing business. Could be. All right, so... Um, okay, so this is first... Hmm. So they have basically the opening scenes of Opuela de Fuego, but I'm going to skip over that because um, this is a different type of episode because we're going to be doing reviews on both versions, and um, I'm going to kind of skip over that, the review on that. Um, Let me think 
a second here. I wonder if, um, hmm, kind of thinking here on the fly as I'm doing this. Um, okay. Let me just kind of give a little dash off the top here. Um, Franco post is totally corrupt. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, okay, okay. Paulo de Fuego is another one of those weird and intermittently wonderful oddities which Franco dashed off from time to time, made in such a rush that it feels more like a daydream than a film. Um, a hazy note to self about a possible future project which has arrived on the screen instead of the film it was going to be. It may be too slapdash and bifferent of coherence for wilder appreciation, and it's not top tier by any stretch of the imagination. But for the converted, it's a tasty truffle in the loan of the Franco forest, as such is well worth seeking out. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, because I'm kind of looking at uh, the review, and there's basically a lot of scenes that aren't in Two Female Spies. And when I'm recording this, I'm going to be watching um, Apollo de Fuego after I do this. So, yeah, it would just be two jucks juxtapositions of it so alright cast and crew uh, Doris Regina real name Teodora Segura appears four times in Franco's film beginning here as the abductee Estrella Shelwin she went on to appear as is that Teodora uh, Segura okay so that's the lady in the gold cap I wish you'd just say that so quicker um, so she's the abductee okay and she went on to appear as one of the one of the villainous lesbian enforcers in Linda, 1981. And then she's also Lena Romay's best friend in Pickup Girls, 1981. Um, and one of the mystical nymphettes in El Lago de la v- Lake of the Virgins. And uh, possibly in the Eastern Princess in 1981's Oasis of the Zombies. Her real-life sister, possibly her twin, is Anna Maria Segura, a.k.a. Mari Carmen Segura, a.k.a. Mary Stein, who also pops up in Pickup Girls, playing a cynical whore financially embarrassed by the death of her sugar daddy. Often misspelled as Dud Cabaquinhos, the cast credit for Duo Cabaquinhos requires some explanation. It is, in fact, not a person's name, but instead translates as to the Cabaquinho duo. The Cabaquinho is a Portuguese four-stringed instrument shaped like an acoustic guitar. This suggests that the name relates to Juan, guitarist at the hippie camp where Cecile hides from the Forbeses. Close inspection reveals that Juan isn't literally playing the Cabaquinho his guitar is six-stringed and remains a mystery why of the assembled hippies in the other half of the duo Cabaquinho, but all the evidence suggests this is a band name credit rather than an individual. Wow. Yama. Okay. Music. Daniel White's score is a lounge core treat for saxophone, electric piano, and arp solina. The title music is available on the Ambianza Acoustica CD, Farewell Duke, and is the music for the police raid on Morales, Salsa Infernale. 
locations. Uh, Las Palmas in the Canary Islands with the distinctive hotel Santa Catalina prominently featured the hippies hang out at the caves of Veleron, a.k.a. the Sinobio de Veleron, built before Roman times and used by the island's inhabitants until the end of the 15th century. Franco filmed there long before the caves were turned into a tourist attraction. Nowadays, the site offers visitors a discovery circuit with information panels along the path, marquettes, and other media. Connections. The tune, hummed by Lena Romay during the opening strip scene, is the same one played on saxophone by the Red Lips Gals in Kiss Me Monster, and the presence of two sexy girls investigating crimes is fleetingly reminiscent of the Red Lips films of the 1960s. However, Cecile and Brigitte are very different characters. They're both rather shallow and ditzy, whereas the Red Lips girls comprised a cool, intelligent ice queen and her fun-loving sex-made sidekick. The sex trafficking aspect is very similar to the recent Dinacelle Productions, Gibrelé de Partout, yeah, burning up all over. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. I mentioned that in the review with Kali. Uh, French theatrical release. Although some sources claim the film played unspecific locations since France as early as October 15, 1980, I have not been able to verify the assertion independently as far as I have been able to verify the assertion. I'm sorry, as I can ascertain, the film played in Paris, opening at the Cinevogue Saint-Laurent, the Ritz on July 21st, 1982. All right. Uh, in 1979, Jess Franco was asked by his French producer, Eurocene, to come up with an overhauled version of Opala de Fuego for release in France and possibly English-speaking territories. It's unclear exactly why Marius Lesseur wanted such a drastically different version of the film, but Franco wanted... I'm sorry, but Franco certainly delivered, shooting 35 minutes of new material while working on Sinfonia Erotica in Sintra in 1979. The resulting mutation was named Du Espion avec un petit slip et fleurs, also known as Two Female Spies with Flowered Panties. As a title, it's certainly memorable, but it's also quite misleading. Sorry to say... The heroines do not wear flowered panties, or if they do, keep them hidden. As things turned out, the film was never released in Great Britain or the USA, so whatever financial kickback Eurocene were hoping for seems not to have materialized. Two female spies with flowered panties only caught the attention of English-speaking film collectors thanks to a video release in the Netherlands in the mid-1980s and a wonderfully daft English-language trailer appended to various Dutch VHS releases. For many Franco fans, the Spanish original remained obscure until a DVD release from manga films turned up in 2006. As so often with Eurocene Productions, the cast and crew credits are either misleading, confusing, or massively incomplete. Despite utilizing nearly an hour of Apollo de Fuego, uh, Two Female Spies, neglects to credit four of the six leading cast members on screen, including the two stars, Lena Romay and Nadine Pascal. 
Supporting cast members like Jolet Le Quamont and Mel Rodrigo disappear from the credits soon. On two, in fact, the only original players to get their names uh, are Yul Sanders and Olivia Methot, both of whom, it should be noted, worked directly for Hero Scene. Um, instead of crediting the key actors, the Hero Scene versions named Muriel Montrose and Jean Reville, both of whom appear only briefly in the newly shot footage. Somewhere down the line, Angry World's words must have been exchanged because the English language export version, two female spies, flower panties, concedes a credit to Nadine Pascal and Jolie Leclerc, a.k.a. Jolie Lecomont. Uh, Romé, however, remains hidden behind the one-off pseudonym Line Castel, or preferred pseudonym Candy Coster on the press book. Susan Hemingway, who features prominently in the newly shot footage, is mentioned on neither the French nor the English language version. The directorial credit on Two Female Spies is Dan Simon, a pseudonym previously used by Franco on the Euroscene production Shining Sex, and by Daniel Lesseur on the short film Caroline Mannequin New. I don't know that's 71. Uh, the screenplay is credited to Evelyn Dare, a.k.a. the actress Evelyn Scott. This is actually Franco. Uh, the Spanish credits are the only ones worth taking seriously. They credit Franco's story, screenplay, and direction. Uh, beginning discordantly... That's funny. Beginning discordingly with cheerful pop jazz. That's so, so yeah, Evelyn Scott's not even in the film. So, yeah, Franco basically credits just some actress's name as the writer. Just threw a name out there. Uh, beginning discordantly with cheerful pop she has images over miserable weather. Two female spies with flower panties remains as much of a tone collage as its progenitor. The following list describes the new additions. All right, so these are the shots that are in Two Female Spies with Flower Panties that are not in Opala de Fuego, and most people are going to see this version. So, Okay, so here's, here's the ten scenes that are different. Uh, rainy day, drive down a Portuguese seafront with Lena Romay and Nadine Pascal in the back of a police car. A uh, deliberately absurd strip routine by Pascal and Romay, which they are instructed to perform by Vice Cop Olivia Mathot. It's possibly the worst dance scene Franco has ever filmed, but wait, intentionally bad. It's intentionally bad, and the absurdity is certainly contrived, a perverse way to start a film. Leave it to Jess. Three, an abduction, followed by a sleazy rape involving Franco's regular whipping girl of the period, Susan Hemingway, whose character doesn't exist in El Palo de Fuego. Her scenes were shot at the Placho de Cintias in Sintra, Portugal, during the making of Sinfonia Erotica. Hemingway's character, Adriana Rinaldi, is, is gloatingly described by Forbes as the most beautiful nymphette in erotic films. Your movies have made you one of the most desirable creatures on the face of the earth. One of my clients, Alberto Capodano, known as the lonely millionaire wants you all for himself. You'll belong to him, body and soul. Saunders' cohort, the abduction and rape, is played by Muriel Montrossi, soon to be star of several classic Franco films. But she drops out after the sequence. The way in which she's interpolated in the film suggests that Franco was hoping we would mistake her for Jolie Le Quimont. A sequence in which Cecily spying from her hotel balcony photographs a young abductor Joan Taylor being molested by a mentally disabled youth whose rich father had bought him a sex slave this scene is quite puzzling it was certainly shot during Apollo de Fuego's schedule location and lighting matched the scene but appears to have been conceived one way in camera and then another way in the dubbing 
While the voice artists play the scene as a rape, the on-screen actresses, though constantly struggling, is being playful and can be seen smiling in several shots. The scene ends with the rapist glancing up from his victim as though he's caught in the act, but there's no one there to explain his reaction. Yeah, that, I, I talked about that with Collie coming up in the uh, review. That, to me, that's the most disturbing scene in the film is that one. Um, okay, scene five, a prolonged scene between the Forbes and a balcony overlooking the ocean in which they discuss their financial problems of slave trading before indulging in some softcore cunnilingus. Uh, number six, a nasty scene in which Mr. Forbes slowly throttles Brigitte with a leather belt while his wife gropes the victim's nude torso and promises more agony in store unless she confesses her involvement with the authorities. Uh, shot in the, the vicious, leering fashion with Nadine Pascal's body lit perfectly, lots of straining flesh and jutting breasts being fondled for the viewer's amusement. Thus is presumably what Eurocene thought the first version was lacking. Yeah, it's an odd scene too. Uh, now scene seven, Method taking his takes his problems to a superior butler, played by French actor Jean Rovell, previously seen in um, the film Crimson. Oh wow, okay. Uh, the scene lays Franco's political cynicism straight on the line. This is actually a good scene, as the senator is told in no uncertain terms to forget his moral crusade against sex trafficking because the power structures of the Western world are corrupt from top to bottom. The wicked Forbes, we are told, have ironclad protection at the highest levels. And just for spite, Butler mentions that Brigitte, whom Conley had just been screwing, is actually a post-op transsexual. Hold that thought. It's a sign of things to come in early 80s Franco. Yeah, that's a weird shot thrown out of nowhere. Uh, number eight, an incredibly protected scene. Three and a half minutes, but it feels like 30, in which Forbes tells his wife Irina that he doesn't love her and will no longer allow her to manipulate him into crime. Instead, he intends to retire to an island paradise where she's welcome to join him if she can tolerate their new understanding. Irina listens to him without saying a word, choosing instead to wriggle around nude on a marital bed. Yeah, that's a funny scene. Uh, and finally, number nine, though not a newly added scene, the ending of two female spies with flower panties in which Cecile and Milton Mario discuss their future plans is so drastically altered in the dubbing that it casts a shadow over the rest of the film. In a breathtakingly dumb character twist, campus Christmas Milton, having first emerged as a hero by persuading his biker friends to save Cecile, from the torturers, promptly turns straight, delivering, declaring to Cecile that he's finished with men and wants to settle down and marry her. We can't have a fag saving the day, can we? So, yeah, it's from Stephen Thrower. So, <clears throat> yeah, so that's the differences on this. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and watch Opala de Fuego and uh, Ragnar Tevit from Across the Ponds is going to join me on a second episode and uh, he's going to watch Opala de Fuego as well and I'm going to talk to him about that and we're going to talk about what we like and what we dislike about that version so this will be another double episode which is kind of cool because uh, I figured that would be the best way to do this instead of just doing one of the films um, alright so here's the plug part before the bumper break uh, if you like the show and you want to donate, please feel free to. There's a donation button on the uh, platform. Uh, you can either do one time or uh, recurring, whatever. Uh, also, download the episodes and please subscribe to your favorite listening platform. And every Wednesday morning, the episodes will be there waiting for you in your mailbox. Uh, tell a friend. 
tell a friend about the show, share the news, let everybody know about Franco Observer Podcast. I do appreciate it. Uh, if you dig the show or if you dig Franco and you want to tell other people about him, um, they want something to listen to, we're now up to, uh, what did I say this was, 89 episodes. So, yeah, there's and the bonus episodes. So, God, there's hundreds of, or, yeah, at least 100-something hours on Franco already. So, keep doing more. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, talk to us, ask us questions, any comments or whatever, feel free to email us at FrancoObserver at yahoo.com and I'll get back to you and talk to you there. Uh, you can also find us, the Franco Observer Podcast is on Facebook and the Franco Observer Podcast is on Instagram. You can find us there and uh, add us and uh, get all the new news on the podcast and pictures and updates on me and other stuff I got going on, different Franco paintings and other stuff related to the show. So, all right, well, hang out after this bumper break, and you will hear um, either Kali or Ragnar. I'm not sure which one I want to put first, but uh, you'll hear me and one of the two guests talking about Apollo de Fuego and or two female spies with flowered panties. Buenas noches. Hey, buddies. Welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions. And if you're listening to this, you know you are on episode 89, film 89, Two Female Spies with Flower Panties. On this one, I'm watching this version with Miss Collie out of Los Angeles and I decided to read the synopsis first because it's quite wordy. And I'm going to read that before she joins us for her review. And we will talk about the two female spies. So here's the synopsis. Cecile Perry and Brigitte Lemon, two dancers recently incarcerated for unlicensed stripping, are pulled out of prison and blackmailed by Inspector Garcia and an American Senator Conley into becoming spies. Investigating a pair of sex traffickers, Mr. and Mrs. Forbes. The girls are to work undercover as strippers for the Forbes at the Flamingo Club in Las Palmas. Cecile is instructed to hook up with Milton, a gay choreographer who will be her liaison. Once there, she's to take photographs of anything suspicious. One of the abducted is porn actress Adriana Rinaldi, who's raped and hypnotized by the Forbes, then sold to a rich pervert. At the nightclub, Cecile begins investigating strange goings-on, taking photographs of a rape in a hotel room involving a young woman called Joan Taylor. Meanwhile, Brigitte forces herself on the limply protesting Milton. Next evening at the club, Cecile and Brigitte are introduced to Senator Conley. However, Mr. Forbes finds out that the girls are working for him. In the cellar of their apartment, the Forbes have a young captive, Estrella Selwyn. The next evening, Cecile is abducted by two women working for the Forbes and imprisoned with Estrella. 
Under hypnotic influence, Cecilia admits she's working for the police. Later, having swapped clothes with Estrella, she escapes and, with Milton's help, hides out with a group of hippie bikers. The Forbes kidnap Brigitte and torture her for information about Cecile. Butler, Conley's superior, reveals that Forbes have protection from senior police and politicians. They, the blame for their crimes is to be pinned on a minor gangster, Carlos Morales. Cecile and Milton receive a note saying that Brigitte has been kidnapped. At the Flamingo Club, Cecile finds Brigitte dead and is then tortured for more information. The police, led by Inspector Garcia, frame Morales for the abductions and arrange for him to be shot while resisting arrest. Mr. Forbes informs his wife he's planning to cease their criminal venture, but before they can make their escape, the mansion is stormed by Milton's hippie friends. The Forbes helicopter is shot down by a hippie and Milton rescues Cecilia. He declares his love for her and announces he is no longer interested in men. So that is the synopsis of two female spies with flowered panties. And now I will introduce Kali and ask her what she thought of this film. Two female spies with flowered panties. Actually, that's false advertisement. There's no flowered panties in this movie. And uh, yeah, and, and you hear Kali in the background. So she's with us now. So, Kali, uh, what did you think about the two female spies with flowered panties? Oh, it's this is you know everything you want from Franco. I mean, it's it's good. It's just all the I, yeah. This is a favorite of mine. <laughs> so, had you seen this before? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was but, uh, go ahead. But you hadn't seen Opelo de Fuego. I mean, I I don't know. This is, I guess that's what it said. I just yeah. always thought it was, you know, I just, I didn't know there was a difference. And they're like three minutes off, right? Okay. So what it is, is basically he made a Opala de Fuego and that's uh, one movie. And then the producers said, hey, uh, we want you to make it a version for the Italian audience and the American audience. And so he ended up taking uh, 30 minutes out of the film and filming 30 new minutes in the wow. film. So, uh, so each movie has a half hour of different footage that's not in each film. Huh. Okay. So the scenes with Susan Hayward or uh, um, Susan Hemingway and a few of those scenes. And there's stuff in the book and they go over all the stuff. But uh, in the Severin Blu-ray that came out, there's the two discs in this one and it has both versions um i'm gonna watch that one later but yeah it's basically a lot different there's some similarities but uh because the opala del fuego is the ring you know the opal yeah so yeah 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 so uh so from what i read and i guess i don't know which one's better or worse or whatever but i think from what i read the first one's a little more um odd so he tried to make this version to kind of make it a little more easier to follow, which is funny because there's some things in here that are not easy to follow, but you know, nothing is easy to follow. Yeah. <laughs> Very silly. But uh, so, yeah. So, okay. So that's cool. So you had seen this before. Yeah. This is my first time seeing it. So I figured I'd watch this one with you first and then I'm going to either watch the second one with um, Ragnar or uh, by myself and uh, kind of go over that one and see 
how it is different and such, but uh, yeah, such be cool. But I like this one as well. Um, there's a lot of cool themes that we see over and over and stuff again. Um, before we start this film and talk about it, it was kind of cool what's going on in Franco's life at this time. Um, he is just going through his divorce with his wife when he oh. doing this film. His first wife, it finally was official. They were divorced at the time. And Lena and him and now were an officially a couple, even though they were together and stuff before. Um, when she did um, um, Wicked Women, she shaves her hair. You know, in that movie, she has really short hair. Right. And that's when she broke up with um, Ramon Ardid. So she cut her hair off to kind of be cleanse of everything, you know. And so in this one, that's why she started wearing those wigs in these f- first few movies that she's back oh. again. Because so, she has the shorter, shorterish type hair. Yeah. Um, so it's cool. So you see them together as that. And I had just read, which was odd. So the three films he did before this, Cocktail Special, uh, They Burn Everywhere, and They Do Everything. That producer, uh, Robert D. Nassell, basically after Franco did those three films, he died like a month or two later, his producer. So Franco's like, fuck, you know, now what do I do? So him and Lena went back to Spain and that's where he starts this next section of his career where he makes this movie and devil hunter and girls of Copacabana and, and sadist of, uh, of uh, Notre Dame and Sinfonia erotica and, and all those, you know, oh, wow. that, that stretch of all that. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this was my first time watching it. I dug it. Um, I was laughing. There are certain things that I was digging the most, um, but my highlight was the talking parrot. Yeah, uh, with you just with your boxes and in, in the best way. <laughs> There's so many ticked boxes in this oh, one for you. I, so much, so much. And I was laughing, thinking you were watching this, going, "Hey, there's that, there's this," you know. But it's funny. Not jumping ahead of the list, but my favorite was like I was saying that the parrot, because I think it's just Franco doing the parrot voice, because he's like, "Hola, señor," and he's like pinching his nose as he's like saying it. You know, it's. I just found that was pretty cute because maybe that was his cameo in the film. You know. Yeah. And I think that's actually the second time that I've seen in a Franco film where like a parrot is like helps a girl get away with the, the talking, you know, like the the people are chasing her and the parrot talk, and they go, oh, it's just the parrot. And, you know, yeah. the girl gets away. I think that's the second time. Like, I think so. I'm- Up into this time. Yeah. I think it's one earlier, like in the, uh, like with Robinson Crusoe or one of those movies around that era. And then a little bit yeah, later, there was a really nice house that the, she was, somebody was kidnapped in for a long time. I just loved the location on that one. Oh yeah. So the locations on this is really cool. This is in the Canary Island. And yeah, I had written down that there's no good headboards in this film, but there's a really cool door. Like where they where the police storm them at the end. And there's that cool doorway. I was like, wow, that's like a badass like outside door to go into the place. The locations are really cool in this, like you were saying. Um, beautiful islands. Yeah, the cave people. Bob Ross. Oh, yeah, and that, that location, too. Yeah, they were like biker biker hippies is what they were referred to, which was kind of wondering. I don't know if they were like gypsies or cave dwellers or what they were. It was like biker hippies. I'm like, okay, you know. Yeah, with Bob Ross at the helm with a submachine gun. He had the coolest tattoos, though. I was one thing I was to ask you about his tattoos. He had like eyes on his shoulders and he's cool and his beard and shit. It was like he kind of reminded me of a little bit of like of like me if I like really got that look going, I could kind of carry that off. I think I was like that kind of <laughs> like me, 
like leader of the fucking. Love that you identified with that dude. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was badass, and then he walked to girls like, "Would you like a massage?" And he like massaged Lena's shoulders, and this was really really funny. But yeah. I think we're jumping ahead. So, um, but yeah, okay. So this is okay. So, um, did you watch the English dubbed one, or did you watch subtitled with the French oh, track? The best dub you've ever heard. Oof. Okay. I started watching it with dubbed and then I went back and, and I watched like the first two minutes, like where they get on stage. And then I go, okay, let me try the French with the English subtitles. And the words are different a little bit, like, but that's how all subtitles are, you know, with the dubbing, but, uh, and like the music track was a little bit different, but uh, yeah, yeah. The dubbing was kind of, was really, really silly, but. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. The, the one, the, the homosexual kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's uh, returning. Well, see, now that's funny because I watched the French one, so I don't, I don't have that uh, luxury of, of hearing that. But yeah, it was so it's, bad. So bad, it's good. Yeah, um, it's magical. So yeah, he he returns that character from the last few films. You know, he's been going through quite a few, and he's in the next few as well. Uh, Mel Rodrigo, I guess, is his name. He played Christian in the cocktail special, and he was. One of the guys in the hotel and in, in uh, the one you and I watched, uh, they do everything. He's one of those guys. And then in this, he's a uh, choreographer, but he's uh, played really, really effeminate and really, you know, over the top stereotypical guy, you know. Yeah, the dub for it is like trying to find the like stereotypically gayest voice you could possibly. He's like, oh, hi, it's like wow. the highest pitch ridiculous like everything he's saying is just oh it's just amazing I, I it's just so bad i mean when he's like i'm being raped i'm being raped oh oh it's horrible oh no stop i'm being raped it's see and that's funny because in that scene in the other one he's like <laughs> talking about other stuff but he doesn't say those words but in Stephen thrower's saying he talks about that so that's funny so it's funny how they really not dumb it down but they really like hit it home with the dubbing compared to the subtitled version you know that, that's that's that, that's pretty funny yeah i know and that and that's a really interesting scene because you think about the other way it'd be like you know two guys raping a woman and she's screaming but in the guys it's like oh it's funny he's gay this woman's raping him and he's like you know yeah but i mean to be fair like i mean he he is easily strong enough to overpower her oh yeah yeah he can push so like the notion of you know i mean like in this you know movie we've got you know the guy raping the girl and i mean she's chained up which oh yeah they're tick box things but i mean she's she's not you know like she's not like no yesing or whatever like the you know guy is but i mean yeah yeah it's it's all but it's it's franco's world like you know it, there's no reality there's no making sense of anything in this it's just it's just franco's world <laughs> okay now as you're saying this i'm sitting there trying to visualize all the uh sex scenes in the film and for the most part they are forcible scenes the guy with the, the guy with the woman on the floor yeah in the in the bed with the chains but then you have it uh, starts out with like that young, really young chick getting totally raped, like and with oh yeah, yes, her yeah, I get chained up. But but then you have the other sex ones are like the senator where it's played for laughs and he's like a two pump chump type guy and she's like right. oh is that all it is and and then the other and then with Lena it's like 
I don't even think Lita even has a sex scene in this, does she? She acts like she's going to have sex in the caves, but then it doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Oh, no, or she plays around with the other girl, but that's about it, you know. Jess is still in his uh, honeymoon phase, doesn't quite want to. Exactly. <laughs> He's still. Oh, the one thing that I will jump to that is not on the list, but was a highlight for me was seeing, and I don't know if, I'm sure she, she might have done it before, but it was a kick seeing Lena take a hit off a joint in this film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she yeah. Like takes a hit. You see her take it in, and she's like, whoa, and then she passed it right back. I was like, all right, Lena. <laughs> yeah. cool. I mean, that whole cave thing was just like, I don't know. So crazy. Just that they had, it just made me think of like Zabriskie point or something or like, you know, just like everybody out in the wild, like, yeah, man, we're all going to take turns with Lena, you know, like they all like start calling dibs on who's going to, you know, fuck her first. And then the, um, you know, they, they go to take her and, and he, they're like, Oh, me next. And he's like, yeah, I'll call for you when I'm ready. You know, like they're just joking about how they're just going to pass Lena around. It's like the whole free love, like hippie. Right, right. Kind thing. of Manson thing still a little bit. Cause yeah. it's, uh, well, well, actually, no, this is quite later. This is, uh, 1980 or nine. Yeah. So, yeah, it's but- weird. This is 1980. Cause I mean, I know that like, I was thinking, you know, about like how much kind of, you know, sexual assault there is in like 80s horror movies and stuff. I mean, there is that, but it's all like, you know, kind of, you know, LOL comedy playful 80s, you know, kind of like, haha. But like, this is like full on rape, like in like whole entire scenes, you know, like start to finish. And it's kind of amazing that he was doing this in 1980. Like, I feel like, I don't know. It's just, it's so, I can't think of another movie that this is, like that that's like this you know it's so um overtly like amused with with rape basically <laughs> well i don't know about amused well i mean that's that's of course you're oh, yeah but like i mean i think on this he's just i mean by this time he's made 89 films and he's just kind of like trying to do something different he's mixing shit he's he's kind of like i i, I don't want to say bored but also to think he just did three pornos back to back, you know, and now he's doing this and he's kind of shown a lot of the ugly side of, of desire or of the, the residue of, of adult entertainment. Like you have these people that are kidnappers that are kidnapping a porn star and selling her to these rich millionaires, but actually, I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but, but like, but a lot of this thing too, it goes back to a lot of his whole thing about now, see with the dubbing, I don't know, because the version I watched, they talk about the capitalist pigs and about how, you know, these kidnappers are like the capitalists and, and like we're the hippie biker people and like we're going to fucking, you know, go against these people and they're taking the island. And that's kind of like Death Whistles the Blues and that where you have this rich guy come into this poor area and he kind of takes over because he's got the money and he buys people out. He owns the cops. He owns all the shit. And the people that live in the island are like, hey, fuck you, man. This is our place. Just because you're rich and buying into your shit, we're going to fucking take you out you know yeah but i mean it, you know the main thing is just that there's a millionaire ring of uh of kidnapped rapists which is yeah. just right which is really scary yeah and these people can't oh. be touched they're, they're like millionaire you know it's and that's almost like franco's view of a lot of like capitalism and fucking like you know not in a source but just the fallout of it or of the most extreme side of it, you know, huh. people that have all this crazy money. 
yeah buy and do what they want and do and whatever their deal is you know yeah but anyway so the film starts off with uh we see lena and this gal uh the actress's name is uh nadine uh i forget her character's name of uh, brigitte which is funny so brigitte Leahy was in the last film so he has a character named brigitte and her last initials l like Leahy, and they're um in the dubbed ver i mean the subtitled version they were arrested for um uh unlicensed uh let's see for unlicensed stripping is what they were sent to jail for which is funny unlicensed stripping not prostitution but unlicensed stripping yeah but then of course they do it so terribly and the guy who's like interviewing them is yelling at them about how bad they suck at it how yeah. they bring them on. I mean, they, and they do suck. It's it's like the worst strip tease dance ever in history. Totally. <laughs> and, and it's cool because they're wearing the prison blues that Franco had them wear and like barbed wire dolls and then on and those prison movies he did with Dietrich. So you see the blue outfits right in the beginning. It's like, all right, cool. There's Lena coming out of jail. Some continuity with the last film she did the last couple of years, you know, and stuff. So you see that. And um, it has the ties with the Red Lips girls, but in an interview Franco did, it's not, they aren't the Red Lips girls, but when Lena's on stage and she's humming that tune, that's the tune from A Kiss Me Monster. So, which is kind of cool. So they kind of tie all that together, you know. Didn't clock that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, that was, that was badass. Um, And then, um, oh, and then we have the uh, Flamingo Club and the Flamingo Club's in a ton of Franco movies. Like that's his, that's his strip club, the Flamingo Club. Whenever <laughs> there's like in, in um, uh, Les Ebernales and uh, Death Whistles and Blues and a few of those movies, there's always the Flamingo Club. That's probably in about 10 or 15 Franco films, at least by this time. Oh, so, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have that again, which is great. And they're like working for the Flamingo Club. And you have a little bit of rear window, too, with Lena as the photographer kind of watching the thing and wanting to get involved. And then finally getting involved later you know but uh but it's all like a setup and it's really weird because the footage they filmed for this version and the last one they kind of mix and match some of the scenes for this aspect so it kind of changes the setup but we get to the more plot right away where you see this kidnapped couple who's that guy so his name is um claude Busan, but he's also but he's billed as Yule Sanders, which is great, the ball headed guy. So like Yule Brenner, so he's like Yule Sanders, you know. Weird that everybody's billed differently. I mean, just, what's just Franco's name in this? It oh yeah, like, uh, Dan Simon. And yeah, Dan Simon. Yeah, which I wrote that down. Thanks for pulling that out. Yeah, I, I actually uh, went past that on my notes. Yeah, Dan Simon. But uh, Yule Sanders is also in Midnight Party, and I always thought he's a creepy looking guy. What was Lena's name in this? Because I didn't see her name. Well, she's Candy Coster, I think. Again, let me oh, see. Oh, is she Candy Coster in this again? I didn't uh, catch that. Great. Yeah, Lena Romay as Candy Coster, and she played uh, Cecilia Le Pin. And uh, yeah, you have Nadine Pascal, and then Mel Rodrigo was the effeminate guy. And then, uh, yeah, and then the Yule Sanders guy, which I always thought the guy was really creepy because he's in. Uh, Midnight Party, and I think he's in one or two other Franco films before that, but but he just... Yeah, and he's super creepy. He is, yeah. and he's in Devil Hunter, I guess, which I haven't seen that yet. That's coming up, and he's in Sadist of Notre Dame coming up, too. Really so creepy in a good way, though. Like, I mean, I don't know. I, like, There's something about him that makes me think of the guy from Cigarettes After Sex. Like, he just has that 
weird kind of strangely sultry like I, I don't know how to explain it. Like I no, I know what you're saying. He, he dudes, but there's something about that guy's like eyes and his like just his creepiness that's almost hot. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but I'm like, yeah, I could deal with getting right by him. <laughs> yeah, he is a very masculine person. I mean, and he's you know, and he has a sharp dresser in this, which that's one thing I noticed. There, he wears this cool like shirt that has these little like button things on the shoulders, which looks cool yeah. and a nice tie. And his girlfriend though is a cool dresser too. There's a scene where she's naked with a vest and this cool tie with no shirt on her. And you see her tits with this big white tie. I don't know yeah. if you caught that, but I was like, that's fucking badass, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, they are, they are sharp dressers. They talk a lot about the whole French thing. And, yeah. So, so with, uh, so with them stripping on stage, I'm going to hit the list as we go through this and kind of just streamline it through. So we yeah. have the jazz music from them doing that. We have the palm trees of when they drive up to the circumstances and then we have the dance scene on stage stripping, of course, which is a bad strip uh, routine. Then we talk about how we see the kidnappers and they kidnap uh, Susan Hemingway's character, who I guess she's a blue movie actress. And she's uh, there's a, a mirror shots of her where she's putting on her makeup and then she's chained up to the bed and the guy raped her. Uh, and they uh, hypnotize. They go into number 13 mind control theme. This film, I was laughing at how much mind control theme is. And that's one of the things I was thinking about you. I was like, oh, I bet you she's really laughing at the mind control theme in this film. Because they just lay it heavy through the whole movie. So good. I mean, not to bring up other stuff, but like I told you, I've been binging Dark Shadows for the last few. And uh, that's a huge thing in it. Like there's the crazy psychologist julia with her thing always hypnotizing everyone and so i just kept thinking how awesome like i've been wanting to get like one of those hypnotizing you know little balls or whatever and the the fire openness is so sick and just i don't know i was totally giddy about it and yeah it's it's so good the uh, yeah i love all the mind control stuff and just yeah and it's I, i think it's really cool how they paired susan with this because her eyes are so gorgeous. Like her eyes are like these, like it's like, like this clear green water, you know, like when you find like just the perfect fly fishing river and it's just that like hint of green, just that little tint. And, but it's mostly just clear. And then she's got that like black eyeliner around it. And she just looks so sultry. And then when her eyes get like, it's like so beautiful. It's like, I'm sure that Jess had to have been thinking like those are going to be eyes to get hypnotized. I don't know. Yeah, because uh, he shoots those scenes really cool with the ring and with the hypnotizer woman or and then the victim as well. You see the sparkle of the ring and the eyes and he captures it with the camera. You see like the cross hatchings in the eyes. It looks really cool. All those sequences are really well filmed, you know. Yeah, there's some great shots, some just gorgeous shots in this film. Just some yeah. like, especially the chicks chained up, not to get ahead, but the chicks chained up in the basement. There's two there was the Lena and then also the Susan one, but like when they're down there and they, they keep, I mean, those shots, like just like stunning. I don't know. Yeah. Just, yeah. Know. And she's an interesting character too. Cause she's almost like a robot with that gold. Cause she was uh, uh, swimming when she was kidnapped. So she's wearing her, her bathing suit and her swimming cap. And, uh, but she's almost like a robot tied up in the thing. And it's just odd looking. And then she like kind of hypnotized and she's, almost like a robot only saying one thing over and over again, you know? Yeah. I, I love, love the gold spinning cap. I'm, 
<laughs> it reminded me of um, when I was a little girl and watched Wonder Woman, Linda Carter's Wonder Woman, the, that series, like whenever she was swimming, she had the swimming cap on just like that. And she just, I don't know, that look is so, so 70s. It was badass not jumping ahead, but when Lena switches identities with her and then she's wearing that outfit and then she takes off her clothes and puts on the dress but keeps the swing cap on, I was like, that's badass as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, Lena, you fucking cool. <laughs> Yeah. So she was all bald though, and she was like, "This swimming cap is my look. I love it." Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, and it's funny. And then you see when she takes the cap off, then she has the wig on when she's sitting in the car. It's like, okay, you could tell it was a different, you know, setup. But, but that was cool how how they filmed that. Um, okay, so yeah, so we have uh, Susan Hemingway. She's kidnapped, and they basically hypnotize her. They're selling her to these millionaires that have these. And the, and the guy talked about later. It's pretty brutal scene about the their sick fantasies and killing people and all this crazy shit which is cool because that ties into uh the last film i burn everywhere where they're playing kidnappers and they're kidnapping these people and gassing them and selling them to people and shit so he's kind of keeping a lot of that same thing and then with um eugenie where it's a man and a woman couple that are kidnapping people and so he's keeping a lot of the same elements that he's just continuing on onto the next project and kind of weaning it off which is kind of cool to see um, and then we have a out of focus shot where Lena is in the bath or uh, Lena's friends in the bathtub and she's kind of bathing her. Those scenes are like totally out of focus, which I was laughing at. Um, but yeah, so that was that. And then we have them finally getting together and they do their proper dance scene on stage. Um, and we have an audience um, dance scenes on stage. We have uh, it up how much boobies there are in this movie. I yeah, mean, everybody's like, pretty much topless. You know, yeah it's like most more i'd say more of the movie we are seeing boobies than than not like and this there's screen time for boobs in this one it's just stuck when you said the bath i was like thinking about the boobs there and there's just so many like you can just think of all the boobs that you saw in this movie and it's just so many beautiful shot boobies lots and lots of boobies yeah um nadine pascal her name's uh brigitte limon in this film she's really really beautiful i i I don't know if i'd seen her before but uh yeah she's really really cool in this uh and she definitely gets nude more than lena like bottomless and topless lena i think just gets topless i think in this i don't know she's bottomless as well but not as much as this gal this gal is really kind of the main one in this for that aspect to get a little more into it but uh but uh and it's funny though, in the end too, they try to say that she was a transsexual. I don't know if that's in the dub version, but they say that in the other one. Yeah, no, it's weird. There's like a couple. It's like, why do you got to? That's weird. Why, why are you throwing that in there? Yeah, there's a couple, couple transphobic comments in this, but like that, that's a weird one because it's like, why would you try to say that chick was a, like a guy? Yeah. Because it's like the old guy, he's like, well, by the way, you know, she was a tranny. And it's like, really? Like, you're going to throw that card into the mix? It's funny. Yeah. And like they say that about, you know, Lena. Like, oh, can't you tell she's a man? And like, it's weird jokes like that. It's like, I don't know. Yeah. And they refer to as, well, not only the dub version, but in the version I watched, they kept calling them uh, a lesbos. You know, these two lesbos and uh, this uh, lesbos couple, lesbos, lesbos. I'm like, wow. It's like, you know, it's funny. Yeah, totally. So you have that. Okay. And then we have um, we have a number five a jungle sound effect. There's like all these bird sounds outside Alina's um, hotel window, which is pretty funny. Uh, yeah. Not the parrot, but just actual bird sounds and all that shit. 
Um, okay, and then we have another scene where Lena's kind of watching what's going on at this other uh, place that she's hired to kind of take pictures about and, and kind of um, surveillance this area, and she sees this man raping this woman on the floor, and uh, it's a very bizarre scene because then you see that this is another house that the Forbes, which is funny too because that couple, their name is the Forbes. And I was thinking of like yeah. a... a Malcolm Forbes or something like the really rich cap, you know, it's like, Oh, interesting. They're the Forbes couple, you know, Forbes magazine. Yeah, yeah exactly. So I was like, hmm, interesting. they rank all the most, you know, the Forbes 500, the, you know, all that. Yeah. Kind of, they rank all the richest people, all the richest capitalists, all the richest companies, the richest. Yeah, exactly. So it's funny. So I'm like, okay, that's interesting. Like they're the Forbes and they're the, they're the main kidnappers yeah. and the Forbes are protected and all this other stuff. But the Forbes have a another people that work for them that in the end they're the ones that get pinned on uh, Morales and uh, you see this guy he's really creepy and he's like raping this woman on the floor and he kind of like hears Lena watching him and he like looks at the camera and and the whole movie that scene to me was just the creepiest scariest scene in the whole movie because it was just like really because I thought that yeah. guy was hot and I was thinking like this is my biggest fantasy wow so <laughs> <laughs> the opposite yeah I just like this is just fucking weird I mean all I mean some whatever but yeah to me that was just the fucking creepiest scene. I totally want a hot millionaire to like kidnap me and just use me as his sex toy I think that's like that's like been my ultimate fantasy since I was a kid <laughs> <laughs> so you have that rape scene keep me in your basement and chain me up and I, I love all that shit <laughs> sorry just just that's fine know. i'm just not gonna say anything uh so you have that rape scene which is sandwiched with the other rape scene of the woman raping the gay guy on the couch which is played for laughs but like i was saying before it'd be sandwiched in between that lena's escapes because she's watching the guy raping the woman on the floor and she tries to get away and she's climbing up the tree and and fucking get away and then we cut to it's bad because she's in the tree and it's dark black and then you go to this parrot and you can sh- tell it was like shot in the morning. So the day for night's really bad. The transition, there's a few times in this film where it's like daylight, especially at the end when the hippies are raiding the commune or uh, raiding the fucking place. Like it's daylight that is dark. That is daylight. And it's dark. It's like, uh, the, 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 yeah, the togetherness is bad on it. But anyway, um, but yeah, so you see that scene and the parrot talks. And then Lena blows a kiss to the parrot. The parrot kind of like flirts with Lena and, and uh, says something cute back to her and shit. So you just want to talk about the parrot. All night. Yeah, I, I was like so happy when I saw that. <laughs> yeah. I swear to you, I fucking clapped my hands. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. I was like fucking happy. I wrote down, you know, number 19. I saw parrot. the first parrot in this. I remembered that there was a talking parrot in the movie. And I was like, oh, Jason's about to go, go off. <laughs> <laughs> talking animals rule. So, yeah, yeah. I was just like, that was awesome. Um, I mean, because, you know, you have all this raping and raping and you have like a talking parrot and it's like being cute and like <laughs> helping Lena out. Lena's flirt with the parrot. I'm like, that's just fucking so beautiful. It's like this little moment of Zen and this other gross shit, you know? Yeah, it's such a weird vibe <laughs> and, and during this time. All of his comedies, but like, haha, rape. It, yeah, it's super weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's crazy. Okay. Yeah. And so I mentioned that there was like a kidnapper couple, like in the last film and in Eugene and all that other stuff. Um, and then we see a body of water and we see sail boats finally uh, in the film. Um, and then we have uh, where they're kind of talking about their business and what's going down and such. And they have palm trees outside their fortress. So that's number four on the list. Um, and then now let's go to the gold captive woman. Um, so yeah, so we see her chained up in the basement. She's hypnotized she by the woman. So yeah. 
that first shot of her where she's just laying there all she's like fucking princess leia but you know like job of the hut's gonna be like you know yank her chain any second she's yeah yeah she's the second chained up person in the film so we have two chained up people right off the bat like yeah. very obviously chained up too that's what i was laughing it was like franco must be looking at his own list when he's making this movie because he was just <laughs> like all right we gotta have this part now you know and, yeah. and not rope but chains even it's even better you know oh yeah um so then we have uh so yeah so we have her kidnapped and then but before lena gets kidnapped by her we have the scene where uh lena and nadine do their actual proper strip club routine on stage and everybody's admiring how good their moves are and all this other stuff and they're kind of doing like a pantomime where they're back to back and it's like they pretend like they're like there's a mirror between them and they're both wearing like black lingerie and they're smoking uh with their stockings and the garter belt. And one part I liked was when the other lady's cigarette was lit, Lena's wasn't. And Lena like leaned into her and lit her cigarette off that other woman's cigarette. That's something I haven't seen for a while. Cause I don't hang out with smokers and stuff, but I just kind of saw that. I was like, Oh, that's fucking cool. Like, especially with their dancing routine. Like that just looked. It reminded cool. me of my old friend. Uh, and when I was in high school, who used to shoot, she was from uh, the South. And if you asked her for a lighter, she'd say, no, but we can fuck butts. <laughs> yeah it's an old thing i don't really see that anymore but i used to see that all the time so you always lean in and then you touch a cigarette to the end yeah those are women and men it's a good flirting thing and it's a good oh cigarettes are so sexy except for you know then you taste like an ashtray yeah but, and you stink yeah. you have cancer and you I die and because you know. they make me cough and i'm just like allergic to it they make me sick but i look whenever i watch a dude smoke i get totally turned on i love watching women smoke anybody smoking i think it's so sexy but then like if i try to go near them i want to puke yeah it's like a curse yeah on that way <laughs> when i see a car go by and like smoke goes out the tailpipe it just like turns me on <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah so uh so then uh we have uh, those are the sexiest cars the ones that you know the polluters yeah yeah the big yeah. buses just fucking gassing it yeah. um the muscle cars exactly so then we have lena gets kidnapped and she's taken down the basement and uh she switches outfits with the gal and uh she takes off and this this is a fucking really good action sequence lena's wearing these little flip-flops and she's fucking running down these hills and shit these chicks have a fucking two girls get in a fucking helicopter head up like a chick has machine gun out the window, starts shooting at Lena. She's like running up down these hills and like hiding. They're like stalking her. And so like, this is a really good fucking scene. Like, what's this doing in a Franco movie? This is like a Hollywood fucking 60s, 70s. I mean, movie. it's so pretty freaking DIY, but he's like, I yeah. got a helicopter. I spent money on a helicopter and I'm about to like, you know, make this a whole like, you know, I'm going to have Lena running naked through the woods. And I mean, but it's so, yeah, you've got like the chick, you know, the hot blonde, like, you know, with her submachine gun fire. She looks cool too. She's like into it. She's leaning out the window and they shoot her nice. And, uh, you know, and yeah, there's some, you tell there's total DIY where, you know, shooting the camera and stuff, but there's some times where Lena's running. I don't know if they used fireworks or they were shooting behind her or whatever, but there's some times when, when she's getting yeah. trailed, I'm like, whoa, that's, you know, something they were using. Yeah, it's like, it's, I, I kept tripping on that because I was like, he, like, you know, spent money on that. Yeah. And meanwhile, like, there's shit tons of rape scenes all through this movie. Like, where did he think, like, the market was? <laughs> I know. Well, see, but this is the other what version, too. So I'm curious that? about the original film, like, how now and now when I watch um, Opal de Fuego, I'm curious 
like we're talking about these elements because they these are elements that I don't know if they I'll have to look and see if they film these later or what, but this is probably some of the stuff to jazz it up, you know. Right, I'm so great film. Track that down because, yeah, that's that's crazy. Like, yeah, that's wild. That, that yeah, you I, have I, machine gun, gun helicopters. Different, so I didn't think it mattered, but that's really interesting. I wonder what the vision was with the original. Yeah, because they wanted to make it more like, from what I read, is they wanted more of a exciting film to sell overseas so you always add those elements maybe they you know? got the helicopter in for that who knows yeah i'm curious to see what that is but uh yeah so, so that was a really good action sequence and then lena uh gets away and her friend picks her up uh the choreographer guy and it's cool so he has like this yellow that scene is hilarious oh my god when he picks her up and she's like crying and he's like she's like why is everybody trying to kill me and he's like because you're stupid <laughs> okay like, see Oh, the other version, machine gun. <laughs> in the dub version, he's calling her, a, a, or in the a subtitle one, he's calling her a Mary Magdalene and all this other stuff. So I'm oh, curious. Really? Like, yeah, he goes, oh, you're just a Mary Magdalene. You claim that you're not innocent and, and all this other stuff. I was like, oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, so no, he just flat out tells like it, she's crying, and he's like, "It was just a submachine gun." She's like, "Why is everybody trying to kill me?" And he's like, "Cause you're stupid." <laughs> like, oh wow, that's like, funny. That's a crazy thing. Like, like a chick is crying because she was just being shot at, and he's like, "You're stupid." <laughs> like, like it's the weirdest scene. I was dying, like laughing so hard for that part. Uh, I, yeah, that that scene was hilarious. It goes yeah. on too. He just goes off on her. Yeah, it's funny. So he has this cool yellow Volkswagen, and he has like. uh stickers on it he has a yellow duck on the driver's side door and then he has a black cat sticker on the passenger side door which i noticed is pr- pretty pretty cool on his car so he goes hey i have some friends i'm gonna take you to and uh then he takes takes her his friends and hey the people from the flamingo club the forbes uh are gonna try to kidnap her and they go oh those capitalist scumbags that was something i wrote down that was pretty funny like yeah fuck those capitalist scumbags Leave her here. We'll protect her. So it was already like independence against these, you know, higher people, whatever. Um, and then we have, uh, so then they kidnap her friend again and another rape scene where he puts this strap like across her throat. And the other woman's like grabbing her boobs and they're kind of shooting it like almost like a porn style where she's all sweaty and it close up her tits yeah. and it's kind of erotic. But then he's like kind of strangling her and shit too. You're like, Wow, this is a weird mix, you know? Yeah, yeah. They they get really into the whole sadism thing with the, you know. Yeah, and she's showing it close up, her like rubbing her vagina, and you see, you know, he's showing it right there and her tits, and she's like, you know. Yeah, you got to love how the fire opal chick is always like feeling the chick up while she gets, uh, you know, either burned or choked or whatever they're going to do to her when they're, you know, like going to cut her all the they're all the cutting her and you know all the threats that go on every time they're gonna like get the truth out of the girl but then the fire opal chick is like feeling you know feeling her up and and being all oh i'll i'll be nice to you but they the guards won't the guards won't be nice to you but i'll be nice to you all yeah that, why that's great it's you know you got the whole s&m thing going yeah that was almost like his time yeah it was like that couple they were that kind of like almost that um, Eugenie type couple or that you know that type of characters where they have that little play where they're playing with the, the person or you know or their type of play as they're torturing or killing or whatever you know mixing in the aspect of it um, so um, I mean, you're gonna you know torture somebody exactly 
so we have that scene. Uh, so after that, it cuts back to Lena with the people. And I wrote down, uh, Alina smokes a joint. Oh, that was a pretty funny scene where she's talking to the. So you see her talking with that group of people and they're like all just hanging out. They all live together. They're a community. They play music. They just take care of each other. And then it cuts from that to the senator now that's figured shit out because, like I said, the woman was kidnapped and, and had the belt around her neck and stuff. And she was with the senator before. So now he goes to his superior and tries to talk to him like, hey, you know, and then so his superior is like, you made a mistake coming to me. The Forbes are protected by the police and other people. You know, they're the ones that and the people that they and he doesn't say what they work for. And he goes, well, is it the mafia? And he goes, you're very naive. And he goes, uh, and this part I wrote down is interesting. He goes, these people that the Forbes work for and stuff, uh, they were killed. Or he goes, James Dean and Martin Luther King Jr. were killed by these people. And they basically <laughs> name drop James Dean and Martin Luther King Jr. I was like, wow, Franco, that took some balls to like, you know, put that in your movie. <laughs> So yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So I thought I thought it was pretty funny. So he's like, yeah, these are the fucking the like Illuminati or like that type of a group. Right. Where it's these yeah, unseen powerful elements. Shit up in there. So yeah, so we have them, and uh, and then so Lena, while that's going on, we go back to Lena and that, and then uh, her friend, the choreography guy, picks her up gives her the notes from the hotel and everything. And then Selena has to meet up back at the Flamingo club. And we have the Flamingo club sign that was made up on the outside of the club. I thought it was pretty cool. I'm curious if Franco had that made up or if he found it, an actual Flamingo club or what, but you see that sign out there. So I thought it was pretty cool. That's almost like number 21, uh, a handwritten note, but he had his own designed Flamingo club. He knew that place and it was like his favorite strip club. And so that's what he always called it. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. 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 Regular there for a while. So that's funny. So you have that, and then you have, um, uh, okay, so we have the, yeah, okay, so then all this stuff starts going down, like stuff I had mentioned earlier before you joined us, the whole synopsis, but yeah, so we have basically, they put the blame on the other guy, and they do the whole thing where they're going to arrest them, but then kill them, and then that way nobody can talk, and then they put the blame on this other couple instead of what's going on. But in the meantime, while that's going on, Lena's kidnapped because she goes to the club to try to meet up. And these women gave her this really lame karate chop, like in the back of her neck. Yeah, knock her out. <laughs> but she sees her friend laying there bloody dead. She's got like blood all over her and she's like making noise. And then Lena comes up to her and then she's knocked out. And then in this scene, so Lena's kidnapped and she's tortured by these two women. And I think one of the women, she's not credited. I looked in the book and stuff, but one of the gals that was uh, not the blonde, but the other lady. That I wondered was Eugenie in the cocktail special movie and then was the maid in They Do Everything. I think that was that same gal, but she looked a little bit like a couple months later or something, but I think that might have been her. But mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, so we have a good element of, of Franco actually has, because this company, Triton, that he did the movie for, the producers, he got a little bit of money and he actually has some little special effects. He has these cool cigarette burns on Lena's tits, which usually doesn't have any kind of like gore or anything. And he actually had a nice little effect here. Those cigarette burns, I thought looked pretty good. There's like six of them on her boobs. Yeah. There is the two that they really focus on. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, look at your pretty body. And these, these wounds are, it's terrible. They're, these are going to be all burned. She's a crazy fire opal chick. 
Plus, it's interesting too because Lena had the cigarette like I talked about earlier on stage, lighting her cigarette with another woman's cigarette, and then she's burned by the cigarette and her boobs, and so the cigarettes are a lot with that. With her, it's just those elements, you know. And then Lena's smoking the joint, so yeah, there's a lot of stuff with her with cigarettes. The fire opal, there's the fire. Yeah, 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 and that's the fire ring, you know. Um, Then we have uh, the cool tattooed gypsy guy, which I wrote down. The cool kind of opal, right? A fire opal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. uh yeah because the title is uh uh fire opal yeah 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 translates to that I love fire opals that's a just so you know you're not supposed to ever buy an opal for yourself that's bad luck you have oh. to be given an opal that's like the you if you're given an opal then it's a good luck thing and it's interesting my mom's um born in October and uh, that's the month for um, opals. So that's why month is October. So yeah, it was always easy to know what to get her every birthday. Cause you oh, know, that's cool. like some kind of opal thing or that was like, her, you know, cause you, she wanted to be given them. She never wanted, but it was her favorite. She, she loves opals. Like she's got all kinds of amazing. What's your mom's birthday? Um, October 19th. Okay. Mine's October 13th. So uh, that's, that's very cool. uh, Halloween-y of you. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Friday the 13th and all that good shit. Yeah, Friday the 13th. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, my my birth month is April, so it's a diamond. Nobody ever gives me diamonds, though. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, and what's sad about your birthday is, like, Franco dies the next day on April 2nd is Franco's death anniversary. So, yeah, it's always like, oh, your birthday the next day is Franco's death day. It's like, oh. <laughs> I know. Wah, wah. But, yeah, it's like, poor guy. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we have Lena tortured, and then... Uh, they do the whole uh her group gets rounded up and they all start getting together and they start like fuck it we're gonna fucking storm the castle and we're gonna like save lena so they all get their motorcycles they run and these and then because they know that the cops will help them they have to take the law into their own hands because everybody's corrupt everybody's paid off so they gotta do the old style so they you know they've got some machine guns in their caves yeah exactly and they have fucking motorcycles they got fucking motor power they got all the all the um, amenities of the Western culture. So they're ready to go. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even though they hate capitalism, they still ride gas. Yeah, they're all peace, <laughs> love, playing guitar and having sex orgies. And then, oh, but the man, we got our machine guns. <laughs> they're ready. Exactly. So they fucking storm it and they fucking kill him. They kill her. And they, uh, uh, the two gals try to escape out of into the helicopter. Or actually, one of the gals that tries to escape from the helicopter. And then that dude, Fucking the guy I like with the fucking eyes on his arms, fucking uh, takes his gun, <laughs> lines her up a shot, shoots down the helicopter, even though we don't see it go down or anything. But we right. see the satisfaction in his face when he sees the helicopter go down. He just nods in, in slow approval. Uh, and then I thought it was kind of cool. Bob Ross, the submachine gun is pretty great. <laughs> yeah. No, he has just the fucking rifle. He has that rifle like where he points at the fucking helicopter. Oh, yeah. That's right. One yeah. shot. So I was like, come on, dude. Not even a rocket launcher or a bazooka or just a fucking rifle. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. anyway. So, so yeah, he shoots her down. And then in the end, when Lena's with the car with, with uh, her choreographer and he's talking about, well, see, and the version I watched, he talks about how he wants to open up a little store and he could sew and Lena could work the front counter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they talk about that, but I thought it was more extreme in the American version, but I guess not. So, no, he talks uh, about how he's good with a needle. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they said in this one too. Good. The needle. So, so it's okay. funny. It, I mean, I took that as a pun about a small dick, but. Um, oh, I didn't think about that. 
Yeah, yeah. yeah I was thinking, about, yeah. <laughs> I thought he was gay, so he likes to sew or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think there's that too. I don't know. But uh, yeah, but it's funny. So I was watching that scene, and I was like watching what was going on around him. And if you look, he's there talking to Lena, and cars are going by when they're in the car, and they're supposed to be driving, but you could tell they're just parked. And Franco's just shooting in front of the windshield, and there's cars driving by all past them, and so they're not moving, but they're supposed to be driving. And I thought that was kind of funny, mm-hmm. and because uh, he's like mimicking like he's driving as they're talking and stuff you know nice. uh, yeah and then they laugh and it, ah, ha, ha, and it's like oh well so basically it was him was saying was like oh well after that woman raped me now i like women and i'm tired of men so i'm gonna be yeah. with you now and then we're gonna drive away happily ever after and and you know and, and that's how it ends and they laugh they just keep laughing <laughs> and he, he keeps saying um in the in the dub he says darn darn tootin right tootin oh wow he's like oh you like women now and he's like right tootin i'm ready for something different right tootin it's the weirdest last lines of movie in the history of movies right tootin yeah that's there's there's a lot of weird never said those words in ever right no one ever said right tootin yeah that's not in the uh that's not in the subtitled version so yeah that must be one of their uh Maybe Alex. like a ninety-three-year-old Betty Whiteish Grammy somewhere said "right tootin'" like sarcastically once, but yeah, but- that's like a old West term, I think. Right tootin', like because it's tootin' a tootin' yeah. a whistle, you know. So that would be maybe like a worker assembly, like tootin' the whistle, or an old saying West- it in that ridiculous falsetto, like "right tootin', right tootin'." Yeah. I like women now, like um, okay, yeah, and he's like he's gonna marry Lena. I mean, if there ever was a, you know, a woman who was going to make a gay guy straight, you know, but still, uh, yeah, pretty sure that doesn't actually happen. So, but, but see, here's one thing though, here's one thing we didn't see that's not on the list is Lena's magic tongue. So Lena's magic tongue wasn't really used in this film that much. So maybe she used the magic tongue on the guy and that was like her magic. So they never hooked up in the movie. It was just, you know, he hooked up with the blonde. I mean, you know, he was raped by the blonde. Right, right. But first she had to get him drunk. Remember, no, she like gave him no, booze. No. Yeah. I'm being raped. I'm being raped. I'm being raped. Yeah, that, that, I'll, I'll, I'll have to watch that, that, the dubbed version for that scene and, and see how pretty, they overdub it. I'm sure it's, scary. yeah. It's <laughs> so, yeah, so basically almost everything was made up on the list except for, um, uh, there's really not a lot of excessive zooms in this. There is out-of-focus shots. Um, there's no sheepskin rug. Not really any masturbation in this. There's the woman rubbing the other women, but no like self-masturbation. Uh, no mad scientists, although the kidnapper couples were close to it. Of course, there's you know mind control and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. No no spiral staircases. Regular staircases. No belly chains. But there is inept cops, of course, because they're all corrupt and t- paid, paid yeah. off. Oh, yeah. And then the, finally, uh, fear or desire. Uh, desire, because they are fucking just desiring fucking, you know, money and fucking capitalists. They desire money. It's it's uh, the desire of, of the almighty buck. It's pretty up there, too, though. I mean, yeah, like there's I think it's equal parts because, I mean, there's so much, you know, S&M stuff. There's so much fear involved. And, you know, I mean, there's rape throughout. There's, you know, chained up people. There's. The be, people being cut and burned and threatened and, and yeah, shot. I mean it's you know 
it'd be weird to say this is all just desire. Like, you know, there's a lot. Well, but desire isn't always a positive word. There's desire is also could be a a negative aspect as well. Yeah. I mean, the, the people with the desire are, are the, the evil ones. Right. They took over the area that their, their desire to rule their desire to, to, to be the fucking, yeah. You know, the evil side of the, the, you know, the desire of these, you know, yeah. Un, un or unchecked desire or that's expression, you know. Unchecked so. desire. There you go. Yeah. So that'd probably be that on that. But uh, yeah, but no, I liked Franco's type of uh anti authoritative, you know, type stuff. You could tell his little stuff with the, uh, you know, higher ups in him and the Spain and censorship and you know, General Franco and all that stuff. And so you can tell that theme is still he's still being being a rebel and shit, you know, and, and flexing his muscles and stuff, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Mostly I was just paying attention to like, God, there's so much rape in this movie. It's great. I was disgusted. Well, not you, but you know, I'm a terrible, you know, I'm a deviant. I'm, I'm nothing wrong with that. There's something terribly wrong with me. So yeah, I was, no, I was just like, God, I forgot how much I loved this movie. And yeah. how I totally like fapped to it the first time I watched it like crazy. I was so happy I watched that first scene over and over. The dub is just great on on that that part. You know, she's like, "Oh no, stop, don't." Which is crazy. So there's basically like so many versions of this film. You think about it. So the version you have from streaming is the dubbed version, and then of course on the Blu-ray it's got the subtitled or the dubbed version, which is same but different with some of the language in that and then of course you have then the other version fire opal which is a whole nother movie and then even on that i don't know if there's a dub version or a fucking subtitled on that and that might be two different you know variations of it it's not word for word exactly the same you know right right so but yeah 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 so yeah so like i was saying uh there's a song rapper's delight but for this film for you would be raper's delight so <laughs> <laughs> I know rappers delight by heart. So. Yeah, I said a rape, a rape, a rapey rape, a rape, 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 rape. rape. <laughs> yeah, it's better than fried chicken, baby. There you go, and and a lot. Well, actually, I was going to say a lot cleaner, but a lot, lot more greasier. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that might be a good way to end this uh, <laughs> podcast on those uh, final words. So, any 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 final words, Miss? Uh, no, uh, don't know. Just um, yeah. Uh, I, when I think of it, I mean, I, I don't know. I was like screenshotting some of the the, the visuals and the, yeah, it was cool. Just, cool. just some great scenes. I loved it. Yeah, I don't know. It was really good to get to rewatch this fun stuff. Yeah, it's one. It's another reason to do this podcast to kind of revisit things and especially to watch them in this context where you're watching them in kind of continuity and you kind of see a flow of things instead of just jumping around and watching things at different times when you watch it. I mean, it's, it's almost like a TV show or something where you're watching the episodes and you see how people, people progress in real life and new people come in and out and all that stuff. And it's kind of cool, you know, it's a different way to watch films. Yeah. And yeah. To see the repeat characters and all that. that are yeah. Yeah. Different sleaze balls and cool people and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah uh, I liked it. Um, it's not one of my favorites, but I definitely did dig it. And I'm curious to watch the other version and I like films that uh, you could take and make a couple different films out of one film. So this is kind of cool with that. It's definitely got some good stuff to it. Like I said, the talking parrot's good. There's a 
a lot of cool fucking helicopter stuff's cool a lot of twisted rape stuff uh yeah so it's just a, a very mixed bag but definitely uh if you like yeah, franco you'll dig it as i am to, to like it as much yeah. as i do <laughs> if you're depraved watch this movie <laughs> And it does celebrate Lena. It's a good, I mean, the last thing she did was that one where she plays a porn star. And in this, she's kind of like playing up more to Lena, Lena. She's being sexual as well, but she's the sexuality, a part of her on this is more comical. And she's more like tough, cool Lena, I think in this film, you know, For she's sure, using yeah. her body as her weapon and stuff instead of just, you know, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Dancing Very cool. Well, I will say buenas noches and I will see you another time on the next show of the Franco Observer podcast. Cheers. All right. So we are back with the second review. uh, This one of Opal of Fire slash Merchants of Sex. And I am joined by a second-time guest returning, Mr. Ragnar Tevet. Is that the correct pronunciation? Tvet. T-V-E-D-T. Tvet. Tvet. It's not easy for an American to... No, no, no. Very harsh with the syllables. Thank you very much for coming on again. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. my my pleasure. Thank you, thank you. So, um, you watched Opal of Fire and Two Female Spies, or just Opal of Fire? Just Opal of Fire. Okay, good. Um, uh, he- go ahead. I, pl- I I plan to watch the female tonight, or maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Have you seen Two Females uh, Spies before? No, no. Okay. No. I, well, I, I've saved it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I, I watched Two Female Spice first, and then mm-hmm. I watched Opal of Fire second, and I liked Opal of Fire a lot better. Yeah, I think it's more like uh, in the like uh, Jess favored it as as he uh, wanted it to be. Yes, the, the the other version was mixed up by some producers. Yeah, they filmed a lot of scenes. They filmed um, basically. He made a movie that was about an hour, 35 minutes, and then he took 35 minutes out of that version and filmed 35 minutes of new scenes, and that's the second movie. So, yeah. But I like the scenes they kept in the first one. There are some good stuff in the second one, don't get me wrong, but now it's interesting to watch them both back-to-back to see the differences, you know? Uh, did you like the, the Spanish cut the most? Um, yes, the Opal of Fire, I would say, because there's actually... There's the Opal of Fire, uh, and then there's the two female spies with the orig- uh, with Italian with English subtitles, and that has a different feel to the uh, English dubbed version of Two Female Spies too. Because Kali watched the dubbed one, and I watched mm-hmm. the subtitled one, and the jokes were a little different, and some of the yeah. words mean different. So yeah, I was like, oh okay, it's a little different. Now that that's typical when they do the the translation the other, uh, tra- translations the, the humor often often change yes the same. very true i've seen that with a lot of films but this one was very strikingly different it's just like wow you know it was like like uh for instance the character um milton 
the choreographer. Yeah. Fire Opal, he says, uh, oh, I'm not gay. I just act gay and and because um, I'm a spy, too, and I could do that to go in and out of places better. And two female spies, he's like, oh, I'm gay. Oh, oh, oh. And then in the English dubbed version, he's like, oh, 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 oh. And he's way more like turned yeah. up, you know, and it's like, whoa, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Uh, I haven't watched it yet, but uh, I will. Yeah, it's very interesting. Very interesting in the new scenes and and see how they change it. And, and uh, I mean, it's the same story, but a different look at it from a different view, yeah. you know. So there are, there are other actors in the uh, female spy, but amongst them, um, Susan Hemingway. She's not in the, in the Opal of Fire. Right, Susan Hemingway is in there, and then they film those scenes during Sinfonia Erotica, is what I read. And then there's also um, uh, a few little extra scenes. Yeah, there's um, Olivia Methout has a different boss, a different character. That guy is different, but it's the okay. same, um, the same conclusion and the same stuff, but with a different person. It's interesting. Yeah. So. I like the movie. It it was surprisingly dark. It was a dark movie. It's a, I I got the impression that it was more like a comedic movie, but it turned out to be really dark. Yeah, and even and even the way it looks was dark, like with the lighting and stuff. The the yeah. DVD was very dark. I had to kind of look. Oh wow, okay, you can barely see things in the background yeah. too. You know, and it, as I understood it, it was an old VHS copy. Okay, that's because you got the Severin Blu-ray, right, with the both movies? Yep, both versions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. Same. Same here. So okay. Yeah. So yeah, and that copy looked it looked good, you know, but um, uh, dark. in the dark scenes, it was yeah, very dark. Very, very much so. And the DVD, those, and the Blu-ray, those scenes look a little lighter, so you could see a little more detail, like yeah. stuff in the background, a little more and stuff. So that's so that's good. Um, okay. Well. Um, I'm going to kind of go over just a few little things and talk to you about it, little things that are different. Um, Cause I went over with Kali and we talked about the movie and I told how it sets up and all this other stuff. So yeah. this part's going to be the differences of uh, the different stuff that is pretty cool. And what okay. I found differently about it. Um, yeah. What is it? Well, first of all, I'll ask you, what did you like about this movie? A lot of stuff. Uh, the, the music was fantastic. Um, yeah. it, it was just amazing. Uh, Lena was great as always. Uh, I liked the the theme of the movie that that uh, focus on that um, uh, sex kidnapping, slave trade stuff. Yeah. I liked that. I liked the movie all over. It uh, it was uh, it it was great. Yeah, it's like um, for me, it was like a little bit of uh, less abranalis. Uh, with Howard Vernon, you know, and, and, and that movie with the sex trade and the traffic and stuff. And then also burning up inside a little bit where it's the uh, man and woman that are kind of a couple and they're, you know, doing bad things, kidnapping people, kind of like um, uh, um, Linda and, and, and um, Catches Perverse and stuff like that, where it's the man, yeah. and, man and woman and they have this little group and they're doing evil stuff, you know. And I liked how they kidnapped famous singers and famous yeah. musicians and how 
we as a society like to own everything. We, this is ours, you know, and this yeah. person liked this singer. So he wanted her to sing in his room only to him, you know, and, and then they become sex slaves and all that stuff. So it was very, very dark, like you were saying, and very, uh, I liked his anti-capitalist views of, yeah, of how the people who are rich and they want to have everything. And the people that are poor that live on the Island, kind of like in uh, death whistles, the blues, how they're the, the people that live there and they're fighting back against the rich invaders, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I like the, um, the, the, the big conspiracy. It was the same people who did that to JFK and Martin Luther King. King, Yeah. Yeah. In both versions, they use that same speech in both films. I, so I like that. I was like, wow, that's pretty bold to say that, you know? Yeah. And I like that. The, the hippie aspect that the, that the, the old hippies they met in that, uh, Corey. Yeah. I like yeah. the guy with the tattoos on him and it kind of the tough guy. What are you doing here? And I was trying to sleep and all that stuff. He was pretty funny. Yeah. I liked, I liked the movie all, all over, all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I, I definitely liked this version more the end after watching two female spies I go, okay, this is, this is really good. And it's, it's, it's neat to watch how, um, things go different. Um, so yeah, like the character of Milton, like I had said, he's definitely, uh, a different character in this. Um, uh, we have, um, so what's different in two female spies, there's a whole, uh, routine in the beginning of Lena and the other girl getting out of prison and doing a little striptease dance. And that whole scene is cut out of this new version. And I like this, uh, Opal of Fire. I liked the flow of it and how it moved and it just, it just went, you know, and had that Jess Franco kind of touch to it. It was very yeah. mesmerizing. It was very relaxing. It was very scary. It had a good move to it, you know. Um, I, I, I like the flow of the movie. It was yeah. uh, it was ninety minutes, but uh, it went very fast. It yeah, was very, yeah. It was good. Good, good, temp, good tempo on the movie. So we have a. Um, the setup in the beginning is different. We have a dinner scene that's different in the beginning. Um, we have uh, more of the this character kidnapped singer Joan Simmons. Uh, it, there's more expanded dialogue with her as the singer, where we hear the voiceovers where Lena's listening to what's going on in the place next door. Okay. Um, we have uh, what I liked. My favorite part is I like to say uh, "Buenas noches" on the uh, Franco Observer podcast, and in this movie, the parrot says "Buenas noches, maha." To the lady, and then they, and, and there's Jess Franco kind of plugging his nose or doing the parrot voice. So that was my favorite part of the movie. And in both versions, it's the same. Uh, I too uh, like the talking parrot, and I, and I also like the that Lena was saved by the parrot and saved yes. by Je- saved by Jess. Exactly, I thought that was yeah. a nice little touch, you know. Yeah. And what's what's interesting is Lena. So remember, she shaved her head in Wicked Women, which was a few films back. So yep. she's wearing wigs in these movies now. And in this movie, she's wearing a wig. And then later on, she's wearing the gold cap. And they act like when they take the cap off, then she's wearing the wig again. Like, like that's her regular hair. You know, I thought that was pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, Lena is always uh, mesmerized me. Yeah, she's very good in this film. She's very yeah. funny. She's elegant. Um, one highlight in both films that they use the same scene is her escape from the helicopter when they're shooting at her and she's running yeah. those little flip-flop sandals. And that's very, very daring. That, that scene's very good. 
Yeah, she was almost naked and running around in that uh, in the rocks and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they're <laughs> shooting something by her. I don't know what it is, but you see the things bouncing yeah. off the grounds, fireworks or gun blanks or something. And she's a couple of things yeah. get kind of close to her. You're like, whoa, you know. It's, it's very good for Franco. That was a very good stunt stunt sequence, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, what's different in this film is we have a, a different introduction to the senator character. Um, in this version, the girls meet him, Olivia Mathot's character, in the club, and in the two female spies, they meet earlier, and then they meet again in the club, and it's a little confusing. So this version is a little better, and. Mm-hmm. One thing that really shocked me, which is not in Two Female Spies, is a dancer doing the Salome act with the seventh yeah. head. That was but a very it. interesting scene. Yeah, I, I loved it. Uh, it was fantastic. Very dark. Yeah, very dark uh, with that uh, severed head and everything. Uh, it, it was amazing. And I always I like, like how Jess Franco makes very unusual dance stripping sequences and he always tries to make each one different like a lady laying on the floor or a spider or the vampiros lesbos with the mannequin and he always makes very unusual stripping sequence and this was the same thing with a woman and taking the a, a very good prop it looked like a dead man's head inside of a inside of a netting like he was yeah. like he was drowned or whatever and she put it against her breasts and put it between her legs and was humping it. And it very, it was like, wow, you know, very yeah, unusual. I, a very good scene. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that if you watch two female spies, that scene, unfortunately is not in it. So, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we have that. Um, and we have um, the ride home with Lena and the Forbes couple is different when uh, they have her in the car and they see the light is on in her room and they kind of, keep her in the car a little longer until the light goes off. And then that guy gets killed that she doesn't know of the corpse. Yeah. That whole yeah. sequence is different in the movie. And then in the second film as well. So I liked how this was played out a little bit different where they're trying I, to kind of seduce her. I liked uh, how the, the, the gay guy who was portrayed, he, he was very convincing. I was sure he was gay. Yeah. Until he turned. Yeah, he he plays kind of the same character in a, quite a few of these movies. He's in um, Cocktail Special. He kind of plays a, a, a feminine character, gay character. And then in uh, They Burn Everywhere. I don't think he's in They Burn Everywhere, but he's in They Do Everything or They Do Everyone. He's kind of uh, that. And then in Sinfonia Erotica, he's... Uh, uh, like an older queen character in that. So yeah, he's, he was a bisexual actor and he kind of plays that character in a lot of these films, but in this one, yeah. So as you watch the other film, it's watch that character. Cause they, that character changes totally different in each film. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was very, very, very interesting. I thought that was a interesting thing to do that. Cause that's the one character that's totally different in the whole film in both films mm-hmm. compared to anybody else, you know, because in this film, he has sex with the one lady and he's kind of drunk and he's acting like he's into it, but he's not into it. And then in two female spies, they act like the woman is raping him and he's crying and he doesn't like it and all this other stuff. Cause it's all dubbed okay. differently. So yeah, I thought that was very, very interesting. Um, and we have um, uh, more helicopter shots of the flying when they're first coming in to land to, uh, 
see the girl that's in the bathing cap that's kind of like a robot in the basement chained up yeah. very um, hypnotized um we have a new bar scene with milton uh talking to the guy that's flipping the coin his contact uh yeah. two female spies we don't we see that guy but we really don't know much about him and in this film they have more of a expanded um conversation and dialogue and you see who he is in this film yeah um, but yeah, that was, he was kind of an interesting character. That guy that was flipping the coin all the time and he just let it roll down his fingers. And that was his whole thing. Uh, the, this movie was very typical. Franco is mind control. Yeah, very, very much so. So yeah, uh, on when me and Collie went through, we went through and did the list and this film covers quite a bit of the list. There's mind control, there's talking parrots, there's bodies of water, there's chained up people, there's, dance scenes on stage there's mirror shots there's a lot of stuff on here lena's magic tongue you know <laughs> this film yeah. definitely covers a lot of the franco list in this film so that was very 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 fun um and it's different so in also getting close to the end um lena and him talk about how now everything's kind of compromised and they need to get out of there and do a new life and he says uh well I'll open up a shop and you can have a, a needle and, and sew and I'll, and I'll be the boss. Mm-hmm. And in two female spies, he goes, Oh, I'll do the sewing and you could, and you could be the secretary and they laugh and laugh and drive off. And it's totally different ending. Okay. So, yeah. So it, that's one thing that I find was very unusual is the decisions and all the scenes and what they do because in two female spies, they really try to let you know more about the sex trafficking trade and there's more rape scenes and a lot more sexual stuff in the second one compared to the first one. Okay. First one has a very food. I I need to check it out. Maybe tonight. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's, but it's, it's very cool, especially when you just watch it. Cause then, you know, in your head and you watch it, you go, Oh, that's the same. Oh, that's different. Oh, okay. And, you know, and you check it out and stuff. So, um, yeah, but no, this one I really liked. I like the, especially the end credits. You see everybody's name at the end, scroll down, and you don't see that a lot in later Franco stuff. Um, really good locations in this film. Um, the, and I liked that the characters were the Forbes, kind of like Malcolm Mm -hmm. Forbes and like the the real rich elite, you know, and, and they were untouchable. Yeah, yeah, Franco is very, very anti-big government and anti-socialist and anti, anti-everything. <laughs> yeah, anti-church, yeah. anti-state, anti—you know. Yeah, it's not. Uh, it's not political correct exactly. <laughs> right. No, but that's. But he he always Franco always roots for the underdog and he always yeah. roots for the underground and always you yeah. know. You need to, you know, fight. And and I think with movies like this, because um, when I did research, so he did the three X-rated films right before this, and yeah. then the Robert D. Nassel died. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah, like about a month or something after that movie. I was like, wow. So then he had to move and go back. And so when he's doing that, this is his kind of like um, uh, reconfirming who he is because he did the other stuff for profit. Now he's like, this is me, you know, uh, under underground and, and, you know, freedom fighters mm-hmm. and striking against the man. So that's his kind of reconfirming who he is, you know. Yeah, this was his first movie after moving back to Spain. Yeah. So 
he was uh, uh, he couldn't live in Spain in the seventies at least because of Franco and everything. <laughs> Which is funny. His enemy is also his name, you know, Franco. Yeah. Franco. Yeah. General Franco and then Franco, even though his Jesus, Franco. Jesus Franco. Yeah, or, or even <laughs> Franco Manera, actually. You yeah. know, yeah. Franco's Franco not even his real last name. Yeah, so it's even funnier, you know. But uh, yeah, you talk to some people. Oh, he left Spain because of Franco. They go, wasn't he Franco? No, no, a different Franco. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely like this movie. Um, I like I say I like the second I, I like this version much better, but it, it was very cool to see them both, and they're both cool in their own ways. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting that they had him do all these extra scenes and try to make it a different feel. And uh, I don't know. And then I guess in the end, it really wasn't released that much as two female spies, so it didn't really matter that they did all that extra stuff, you know? Yeah. It was cool by Severin to release both versions. Yeah, and it's nice to kind of like show people, and and that way people can sit down and like us and watch them both back to back and see the differences and and appreciate that. And there's a lot of good bonus stuff too on the uh, on the Blu-ray as well. There's a good Stephen yeah. Thrower interview. There's a Daniel White interview on there, and uh, uh, that 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 is that's very nice. Yeah, I don't think it's I, I don't think it uh, there exists so much uh, interviews with Daniel White. I don't think yeah. So. It was very cool to see him talking. Oh, shoot, Daniel White. All right. And when I sit down and watch yeah. him, you know. Yeah. And, of course, Stephen Thrower and Jess Franco. So, so yeah, there's there's a lot of good stuff on the Blu-ray. And uh, yeah. it's definitely outtakes. worth picking up. Outtakes. Is there yeah. uh, ten, 10 minutes of outtakes or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that, too. I, I was kind of going through that. It was just extra rushes and stuff. And that's good because a lot of Franco stuff like that isn't uh, – easily to get a lot of the outtakes and stuff for a lot of films and stuff. So it was, it was very, very cool. Um, yeah, no, this, this, this is a cool flick. Um, also too, I was wondering, um, I was trying to figure out, uh, okay. The two gals in the helicopter, you had the one with kind of brownish long hair and the mm-hmm. one with kind of the short black curly hair. Yep. Now I was trying to think if she is, Benny Sousa that's in cocktail special and they do everyone and I burn it everywhere. If she's that gal, or if that's Ajita Wilson, who's in a couple of movies coming up from here, Sadomania and stuff. Yeah. That's one mystery. I haven't figured out. It is Ajita Wilson was supposed to do, do done three movies with Jess, but the, the only ones I can find out is about Sadomania and uh, Mac- Macumba Sexual. So what's the third one? This might be the third one because yep. this because the gal's not credited. And I've okay. looked in both the Stephen Thor books and I've looked real close at the screen and try to look at her face and hold up a picture of the books. And the gal looks like either of those two women. So it could be a Jita Wilson, you know, because yeah. she does look like her in this film. It's a small part, but it does look like her. Maybe maybe that's the third one. Could be because it's close to Sadomania. You know, it's just a few films away. So, and he was in the area, so it makes sense. You know, and Franco yeah. shoots with some people one time or two times, little roles, and then later on, they're bigger parts of his movies. You know, yeah. like um, yeah. Soldad and everything was a good example of that. You know, she's yeah. built lower on, and then later on, she's the main person. You know. Yeah, have you done the uh, Sadomania review? Not yet. No, that's coming up in about. Uh, let's see. Let me look at my notes here. 
Um, that is film 99, and we're on film, uh, let's see, 89. So, yeah, about another 10 films from now. Oh, I really like that one. That's a, that's a great one. Yeah, I have yet to watch that. So that's one nice thing. I'm trying to keep my first-time viewings for the podcast. So I have all these movies that I haven't watched, and I always want to watch them, and I know about them, and I read about them. But, yeah, it's fun to watch them yeah. first time. I, I've only seen parts of it and uh, and listened to some reviews online. As you, I want to save them for later. For, yeah, yeah. For the perfect time. Well, so good. Well, all of it. Do you have Sadomania on DVD or Blu-ray? DVD. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll if you're interested, I'll have you back on and uh, talk about yeah. that film. Yeah, yeah. I'll be back anytime. Awesome. Awesome. Very, very good. So, um, is there uh, anything else you want to talk about this film, or anything that you made a note on, or anything that stood out to you besides what you've talked about already? Yeah, I've I've taken a lot of notes, almost okay. twenty. <laughs> All right. Well, let's hear you. Let's talk. I, I I liked everything about this movie, but the music was uh, exceptional good. Yeah. Yeah. So on this one, the music it says Jess Franco, and on the two female spies, it's Daniel White, and some of the music's the same, and some is different. So I'm not sure about that. Who actually yeah. does it? I sometimes I think they mixed it up and and yeah. uh, credited to the Daniel White or credited to someone else. Right. Right. It's hard. It's hard to figure out exactly who's done what. Yeah, totally. What else you got? <laughs> I uh, I got a lot of things, but, but uh, it was like the, the mind control. It was also some sort of hypnosis. It was uh, it was like hypnotizing this uh, this girl. Yeah, he uses mind control quite a bit because the film before this, I Burn Everywhere. There's like a poison, or there's like an aphrodisiac gas that's used for mind control. Uh, with the Eugenie and all that, it's the control of lust or allure. The Dr. Orloff, there's the mind control, Diabolical Dr. Z. And like all these movies, there's always mind control. And, and mind control is one of his favorite plot devices where it's like a it's like a bag of five items. And mind control is usually in every fifth film or something, you know. Yeah. And, the, and in this movie, they also mentioned that the, that the Lena's character was transgender. Did you notice that? Yes, I did. And in the other film, Two Female Spies, thank you for bringing that up. I had that written down. I forgot. In the other film, when they do that scene, they say the her her partner, the other lady, was transgender. Uh, that was Lynn Montel. Yeah. Or, um, um, Isn't it? No, it's, um, let's see, her name is um, Nadine Pascal. Oh, wow. Well, in some reviews online, they say there's Lynn Montel from Zombie Lake. Well, maybe that's uh, wrong. Yeah, I know. That's weird. And you said that. Um, I think that is. Um, who they have is that. Yeah, no, she's in. Um, yeah, you know, you're right. Because on the back of that uh, Severin Blu-ray, it says her name yeah. on there. I'm trying to think who she yeah. was. Yeah, because here it says uh, Nadine Pascal as Brigitte Lamone. And on the other one, it's um, uh, Nadine Pascal is Brigitte Lamone. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, it's it's weird. I can't figure it out. <laughs> Unless she's playing a different character, she might be uh, the lady that's doing the Salome dance, or no, actually, she might be the brunette 
that's flying the helicopter. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'm I'm not sure. Hmm. Always some mystery concerning. Yeah, they miss things, and even in in Stephen Thrower's book, he has names from people sometimes off. I'm like, oh, wait, that's so and so, and you look back, and it's somebody different. Hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, it was a nice experience watching the movie. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, no, it's it's uh like I said, it, it has that good feel. It has all the touchstones of a Jess Franco movie. I like these type of films where there's kind of a like a seedy criminal element. There's kind of like a little uh like a little thing going on and, and there's spies and detectives and you know, he has that good little feel and those types of movies that he does I like and mm-hmm. where he puts his touches yep. in and everything. Yeah. I uh I have to watch the female spy and, and compare them. Yeah, definitely check it out. I think you'll like it. It's it's a fun thing and it's a different it's like an extra treat because you see, you know, two different films, quite different yeah. but very similar and you see it's almost like getting an extra Jess Franco film, you know, it's like film, yeah, and, uh, film A and B. And and it's a nicer print. It's a little, I guess. It's looking it looks better. Yes, it's on Blu-ray, of course, so it's cleaned up and it's restored and and stuff, and it's uh, a little bit. But, you know, uh, I would recommend the subtitled, possibly, over the dubbed, because the dubbing's, the English dubbing's pretty silly, you know. It might be interesting to listen to a little bit and then check it, maybe watch five minutes with the dubbing and then go back and, you know, watch the subtitled and it might flow a little better. Thanks for the advice. <laughs> yes, most definitely. Dubbing usually is always so silly on these films. The dubbing is always the worst option, you know. But I I found out that a lot of Italian movies from the seventies and there's the dubbing is really, really, really great. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, no, there's some, the some some films are dubbed really well. There's a lot of German films that are dubbed really well, and Italian films and some Spanish films. But it seems like. The 60s, 70s stuff to the United States, if it's very cheap, it's the dubbing's always just so exaggerated, you know. The, yeah. the, the people they got to do the voices are very cartoonish a lot of times, you know. Yeah. In a bad way for a movie. A, a voice, a funny voice is fine for a cartoon, but for a movie, it, it makes the viewer laugh and not pay attention to the movie, you know. Yeah, it gets it get, uh, distracted. It, you yeah. lose the. Uh... You lose the point. Yeah, very much so. It's like somebody's talking to you, and instead of talking to the person, you're just looking at something in the sky that's blinking, and you're just like, well, now I can't talk to the person because I'm distracted by this blinking, you know? Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it's good. Uh, I would recommend this. Um, The the Two Female Spies, when I was done watching it, I said, oh, I liked it. You know, it's not one of my favorites, but it was good. When I watched Opal of Fire, I said, wow, I really like that. It's not one of my favorites, but I really did like it a lot. So I, I would definitely uh, recommend this film for people. If you're a Franco fan, it's definitely worth watching. Oh, another thing. Um, the guy, um, let's see his name. Uh, it's um, Claude Boisson. It's yeah, he's, he's played in a lot of the Get Franco's movies. Yeah, he's in Midnight Party, and then he's coming up in Devil Hunter, and I think Sadist of Notre Dame. But uh, it's funny, he's billed as Yule Sanders. That's almost like Yule yeah. Brenner, because he's bald headed, yeah. you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. 
<laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Yule Sanders. I'm like, oh, that's like his other name, you know. Um, and in Two Female Spies, uh, Jess Franco is billed as Dan Simon as the director. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is director Dan Simon. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that, that's typical of Jess. It's yeah. all, these, all these pseudonyms. It's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, and then in, also, too, in, uh, he has the written by, um, let's see, where's it at? He has it written by Evelyn Scott as Evelyn Decker, and that's actually Jess Franco, too. Okay. <laughs> so he's using the woman name as another woman's name, and then it's him. So it's like double, double, you know? <laughs> Uh, it, it's not easy to uh, to figure it out. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's, it's it's very very cool. So, but yeah, no, I think you'll like Two Female Spies. Uh, uh, Susan Hemingway is very good in it. The scenes where they hypnotize her with her eyes and the sparkles and stuff is really good. And and there's and there's some good stuff in it, you know. But there's some silly stuff too. But but there is some good stuff to definitely watch it. So I think you'll yeah. enjoy it. I I will be. Watching it tonight, I guess. Yeah, and that's one fun thing about doing these discussions with people and friends and such is that it makes you excited to see something that you've always had. Like I've always had these things. I go, oh, now I get to watch this, and it makes you, mm-hmm. you know, it puts that, yeah, into it, which is good. A lot of the movies I haven't watched it yet. I haven't found the perfect time. Yeah, and, and maybe, and maybe. The reviews are the perfect time to watch them. <laughs> it is because then it makes you sit down and go, okay, now I got a, a reason to watch it or a, a point or a, you know. Yeah. And I need to focus and uh, write down certain things and you get to get to know, notice more things in the movies. Yes. It makes you slow down and pay attention and focus. Yeah, pay attention, and, yeah. yeah mm-hmm. and that's very good for me. I'll, I'll, especially if you're looking for things. Because mm-hmm. people will just watch a movie to be entertained, but if we have a note like "oh, body of water," talking, you know, in my with me a list, I'm looking uh-huh. for things, so I'm paying more attention, more and more, because I'm looking for certain things to see if they pop up, you know. Mm-hmm. So it makes me stay really, really like, you know, watching, watching, like I'm hunting, you know. <laughs> uh, I like that that uh, Lena was saved by the parrot. <laughs> that was uh, cool. Yeah, I thought it was so funny. Like I was watching it and I was talking to Kali earlier and that scene, I clapped my hands in joy and I was like, yeah, I put my fist like, yeah, talking birds, talking animals rule. I was all happy. And she said, I knew you'd be excited to see that part. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One thing though, finally, anything I'll talk to you about this that I caught, um, especially in the end scene and in the parrot scene too, there's quite a bit of scenes where it's daylight and then it's dark the same yeah, I, from one angle I, to another you know yeah i noticed that as well what's what's up with that <laughs> yeah like at the well, end when he's escaping uh milton shoots the guy with the gun and it's dark and then it cuts to everybody in the motorcycles and it's like bright morning sun it's like what you know <laughs> it's supposed to be going uh, on the same time you know <laughs> yeah. uh, i guess franco wasn't uh taking notice so. <laughs> no he's just trying to shoot fast i guess and trying to catch yeah. everything and i go oh shoot you know yeah he didn't change the day for night or brighten it or nothing so yeah that's, that's typical yes exactly <laughs> so very very good well i think i'm gonna wrap up this portion of it i want to thank you again for joining me and uh right. is there anything you'd like to uh say or anything to anybody at home or yeah i say Check out Jess Franco. He he's the king. 
Yeah, he is. And uh, people should check him out for many different reasons. If you're a filmmaker, it's good to watch his stuff to see how he does things on such a small budget and quickness and very creative. And if you're just a fan, it's good to watch his movies. If you like to look at beautiful women, get naked and do everything on film, that's there too. And so many reasons to watch Jess Franco. He's so, so amazing. So many aspects of things to watch. He's a, he's a, he's exciting director yes a real treat and we're so blessed that he made so many movies just think if like just franco only made like 10 or 15 movies like a lot of people do or maybe 20 yeah. movies which is a lot yeah. but you know he has 170 or 180 or whatever movies it's crazy you know yeah uh, yeah i guess he's in he's in the guinness record book of records as the most prolific very much so, yeah. I I think though there's other people in other countries, but it's not a lot of stuff I've seen or heard of. But there's some people that have made like a couple hundred films, like four or five hundred films, you know. But yeah. not like just Franco stuff, but you know. But there is from what I've heard. But yeah, but but to us, just Franco's the man, and, and he's <laughs> he, he's the leader, you know. <laughs> uh, he, he's the Sultan of Sleets. Yeah. Well, I think like one is like Joe, Joe D'Amato. Like, I think he has like 350 credits, I think. Uh, I'm a huge D'Amato fan as well. Yeah. So like, like he's somebody that I looked up that I think he's has like tons because he did a lot of stuff with the X rated stuff and under different names and all that stuff. And a lot of that, if you add it together, it's, it's quite a bit, you know, he's way up there. Uh, I got some 40, 50 of his movies at least. Yeah, and then he worked with Franco and stuff too, so that was good, you know, and, and all that yeah. stuff too. Kind of worked with them, you know, took his films and yeah. chopped them together and made another movie, but, you know. Uh, wasn't it uh, Justine? Yeah, Justine, yeah, which yeah. is Midnight Party and Shining Sex, and then Justine as well, the little bit of footage they have left of that. You know, uh, I got it on the bootleg. Yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's interesting to watch. Kind of like this film, you know, it's, when you know those other films and you watch this, you go, oh, okay. And you see how he takes pieces and makes a different puzzle, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I like that too. Yeah. It's very, very, very creative. And it's very interesting to see, uh, to see a artist in action, you know, doing his yeah. painting his mm-hmm. picture, all the different ways he paints and he paints one picture and then he'll, change a few things and paint something over it. And it's a whole nother picture, you know, and that's, and that's a good way to look at it. I think uh, oh, that's typical. Demato. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and just Franco too. So no, just Franco. Yeah. 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 So very good. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much. And I do appreciate you joining today. I thank you very well, much. Ragnar. Well, thank you so much yourself. It was, yes. It's a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Yes, and, and thank you again so much for always uh, listening and, and commenting and being a friend and uh, being a fan of the show. I do sincerely appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. It's my favorite podcast. No All doubt. right. Hey, you heard it here. appreciate it. All around the world, people listen to the Frank Observer podcast, and we all love Jess mm-hmm. Franco. So. Yeah. I'd be glad to be back to do more reviews in the future. All right. I will have you on. And as a famous bird once said, What is no Jess Maha? <laughs>